Tip today with Fran Curry, IMRO Radio Award Gold Winner. In association with slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number, and it won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, GAA and the winning mentality. Judge urges a sex offender to find a wife and start a family. It's a remarkable judgment. Uh, We'll be talking about that to Nolene Blackwell a little later on. Homeless and living in a tent in Gary Kennedy. We'll be speaking to a gentleman uh, who has to live in a tent in Gary Kennedy. We'll be hearing his story. A listener's reaction to the restoration of town councils as well as that inside Ireland's kink scene. And this is more reaction to uh, Lucy Kennedy's uh, programme the other night that had people very, very concerned and very, very uh, disgusted indeed yesterday. And uh, we got to see it finally uh, yesterday afternoon, so we'll be chatting about that a little later on as well. Just before I do anything, a little bit of housekeeping, because I heard from my good friend Catherine Ryan. And Catherine uh, wrote me a lovely note and a lovely uh, postcard to say that their coffee morning recently at Temple Diary Church in Banshe raised €1,713 for South Tipperary Hospice. So it was a huge success altogether. And many congrats to Catherine and uh, the team she put around her for that. Look at what's making headlines today, as you can imagine, right across the newspapers today. um, Pictures and stories of the families who gathered in grief for the first funerals of Chrysler. Uh, victims and also, of course, uh, coverage of the uh, Women's World Cup last night, or the Irish team indeed getting through to the World Cup last night, and as well as that, the Irish soccer stars paying tribute um, to uh, those who lost their lives in Crisla as well. Um, that's right across the Daily Mail. Also, we're reading today, of course, and uh, Andrew spoke about this earlier on uh, about uh, the death of Angela Lansborough. The actor, famous for murder, she wrote, I suppose, more than anything else. She died at the age of 96 and she had a home in Ireland, in fact, in uh, Ballycotton. The Irish Indo is uh, dominated by photographs from uh, the funerals yesterday of Martin McGill and Jessica Gallagher at St. Michael's Church in uh, Creasla. And, um, you know, it's just photographs of... Tragedy and tears and uh, disbelief and all of that. The Irish Examiner, uh, complete delight in the photograph there. The Republic of uh, Ireland manager Vera Paul and uh, her coaching staff and players celebrating the 1-0 win over Scotland that uh, sends them to next year's World Cup for the very, very first time. Also on the Examiner today, anger at the plan to move Ukrainian refugees and the last gasp efforts were being made to avoid more than 135 Ukrainian women and children having to be relocated from a Killarney hotel to Westport in County Mayo uh, today. Uh, the issue there is, of course, that they had settled into the community and some of the women in question had found jobs locally and all of that kind of thing. And, needless to say, the kids settled into school as well. But it looks like uh, the Minister is not for changing where that is concerned. Anyway, that's a quick look at what's making headlines today. What do you make of any of that? 083 for your text and WhatsApp. 
and you can email tip today at tipfm.com. Now, over the years, we have often heard from parents who have children involved in GAA who know the pain of exclusion when their child has been left to stand on the sidelines. Now, over the past week, we have had contact from two parents in different parts of the county whose children were left on the sidelines for big final matches, despite the fact that they never missed training. They were overlooked for other players who maybe were not so committed, but deemed to be better. Now, neither of these parents were willing to talk on air because they feared that there would be consequences for their children from their clubs. So it's with great interest we saw an article in the Irish Times yesterday from a lady called Sarah, who wrote about how her child was the poster child for exclusion in the GAA and how any attempt to raise it with the club was seen as a personal attack. Well, former Tipperary County hurler Timmy Hammersley uh, made comment on the article on Twitter yesterday and he joins me now. Timmy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome and good to talk to you today. You yeah. say that this often comes down to mentors putting winning above participation. Um is that your experience, Timmy? Uh, yeah, it is. It is my experience uh, where essentially these problems come from. Um, and like a lot of people don't realise, but it's there. Like It's absolutely out there. And coaches, unfortunately, realise it or don't want to go through with it. But the GA, the, the, uh, GA for the last number of years, have outlined uh, what they call a, what they call a player pathway, and that that like all the science, all the research is that winning becomes important after eighteen. That's where it should be the focus. Okay, so up until that point, it is improvement. It is uh, it is uh, developing your skills. Developing your uh, developing your um, athletic uh, ability in improving your team play and getting as many uh, kids and teenagers as games as they can, but there still seems to be a, a lot of breakdown in that. Where definitely in my experience, and I I, I would say though, Fran, it's not just G eight or it, it yes. is all it is all team sports. But it does seem to be an issue, a big issue in GA because it's so popular. So many people are playing it. There's so many teams. Any any issue within society is going to crop up within GA. And the issue of overzealous parents who are coaching teams and who want to win their... The most important thing in the world is to win their county under-13 title. And they're not putting development of players ahead of that. They're putting the winning off. And that's why... When it comes down to, well, are we going to give these young young boys or girls games or do we want to win? Well, the wanting to win is going to come um, ahead of that. Now, there's consequences to that, Fran. You know what I mean? And I'm delighted that article because it definitely got a lot more publicity than any other, than anything else I've really seen on the topic. Again, the research says that that's why drop-off happens. That's why kids drop out of sport. If they're not getting any game or they're not getting treated well, they're not going to stay. And that's a shame, isn't it? Because yeah. if you drop out, Fran, again, like, the, the research is there, like, if you stay in team sport until 18, right, mm. you are much better chance to be active forever then. Like, you have 
an active, healthy approach. Like and it isn't as if you'll always stay in team sport, but you might stay going to Jamie. You might run, but if you've dropped out, the research again. If you've dropped out by eighteen, before eighteen, there's a massive risk that you won't ever play again, and that that is incredibly sad. And the other, the other thing, the, the other consequence of this, and I don't understand how people don't realise this, but winning in underage does not guarantee success in adult level, where winning is actually important, where it's the flip side. Focus on improvement, team play, real focus on the skills of the game. That's the factors that will help you win at adult, at adult level. So it doesn't make sense, Fran, you know? It doesn't look, make sense, Timmy. And, and the and other thing, sorry, Fran, yeah. the other point there, what happened, like the GA still, like we have... Now, Crow Park, see, there's a disconnect, Fran, between Crow Park and and county boards and all the how we run underage, underage competitions. Like, mm. county boards and those who organise it have still a responsibility. Like, we're not gone far enough. We still have too much. Our competitions are ran on, uh, on all county championship bases where the world championship is there, where it should be league. You know, that's yes. my opinion, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. And often the kids who are left out are the most committed. They're there first, they're there at every training centre. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the kids maybe that don't have the the, the 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 kind of talent that you would have had, Timmy, over the years, but they, yeah. they're often the core of the team, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, that's interesting, though, Fran, as well. Like, I, I was quite a weak kid, Fran when I was under 14 and 15. And when I was 15, I was a sub on my under-16 club team, you know. So now that would be unheard of. Maybe. Were you? Oh. But yeah, I was, Fran. And people don't realise that. I was a sub at 15 when I was under-16. So we have a thing called people who develop a bit later, right? Okay? And that is a massive thing, okay? I was a late developer, a massive late one. Like, you should have saw a picture of me, Fran, at... 14 and 15, I was absolutely tiny, okay? And so I struggled at that age, okay? Now, if I didn't have someone to tap me on the shoulder and give me advice and encouragement and get me to keep going, keep going, keep working hard, I, I, I could have dropped out of sport. Like, that's the reality of it, okay? Because I was weaker than other kids, and they're the kids who typically... Who typically drop out, right? Yes. But then it flips for okay? So, it's so interesting, like, you're 13 or 14-year-old who is bigger than every who is bigger than everyone else, right? Like, if you ask any any team, any any club, we all have stories of the 13, 14-year-old who mm. dominated, mm. who dominated, like, literally two, two kids can win you a county championship at under 14 mm. because they can pick it up solo and run through the whole pitch, but that's Four, three or four years later, Fran, that has radically changed, okay? Because the smaller kid has, he's had his growth spurt, okay? Now, the thing is, Fran, that smaller kid, like, even though I was small, Fran, I was skillful-ish, yeah? Mm. So when I had my size growth, well, I caught up then, you know what I mean, to the ones that were a lot stronger th- th- than me, and the tables had completely changed. So coaches should be bearing that in mind the whole time that, you will lose players who will could be your big senior player in five or six years' time. Right, but they're, they're, they're not, not looking at the big picture then, no, Timmy. But they're looking. They're, of course they're not looking yeah. at the big picture. And that is the big problem. Now, Fran, we, a lot of things, we know this is 
Like, we know these are problems, and we know there's dropout, mm. and we know the focus on winning doesn't guarantee. So here's a little, just one, and like people don't often believe me when I say this now, but you look at the tip senior semi-finals the weekend, right? Mm. Yes. Okay. You would upper church drum band playing there, mm. right? Now, for me, they, they got defeated on the day, but people don't realise, like, what an achievement for that small club yeah. to be in a county semi-final. You look at all the small clubs who could only dream of that. Fran, I don't ever remember them in recently winning an A championship. I don't, you know. So clubs have it in this obsession that our coach have it that they need to be winning A, they need to be winning this, all this, this. You that's not. You can build a team. You can build a good adult team. You don't need to be winning championships. Have a good values within your club, and they are proof of that. They they've built a senior team without winning, without like they got further further than. Turles Arsenal this year and Turles Arsenal are a brilliant sure. club yeah. but they're winning everything nearly <laughs> but Upper Church are proving you don't actually need to do that to have a good adult team you know so there's just a small example of it like I, I'm actually passionate about this topic because I was that kid at 13 or 14 who could have been lost nearly to the sport because of how small I was and you'd but wonder was, then how many kids are lost Timmy wouldn't you sure they are the research is there the dropout is massive yeah. Fran. it's huge and see the other thing Fran is as well is again there's a like see why parents are frustrated now right as well as I see it here Fran parents know this now right so like there was excuse 30 years ago this research wasn't there like do you know what I mean like par- like coaches were doing the best they could right coaches were doing how they were coaching yes. like, the, like but the pathway like look up the pathway Fran the pathway is very clearly spelled out and you know what it's all there it's clearly spelled out the type of coaching you should be doing at each like what kind of drills you should be doing what kind of games you should be doing and that's the best yeah. way to. Pro- so it's not see and you have smart parents out there now and see what annoys me right that, that lady who wrote the article in some in some Quarters. Oh, she could be branded. Oh, she's only too PC. She's too zealous. She's too odd. No, she actually probably knows that the pathway is there, and the participation emphasis is there, and it's the coach who's overzealous because they, they they're ignoring the participation. Now we know all that. We like a lot of people know that now. But like the big thing is how do clubs and county boards actually tackle that? And for me, Fran. There's the biggest thing that coaches lack, right? Sorry, that clubs lack, right? Every club has a field committee, right? Have a finance committee, mm. okay? Mm. Have a facilities committee. What do a lot of clubs not have? A coaching committee, which is the most important committee that anyone can have, and guide your coaches in this is the best way to approach your 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 teams. And if you if you have a long term coaching committee over the period of four or five years you can embed an approach right and you can change the, the you can change the uh, culture of how coaching is ran in the club like culture as you know fan doesn't change straight away though Absol- it takes, absolutely it's very it slow the, to change and to me could i get yeah, your yeah. opinion on the fact that two parents spoke to us and in great detail spoke to us and their stories almost mirrored what was in the Times yesterday. But yeah. here's the one, Timmy. They were afraid to talk to us because of consequences from the club. What, sure, what do you are. make of that? 
Sure, I'm not sure. I, I'm not. I'm living in Dublin. I, I'm not. That, I'm not involved in tape on the ground like I was for years. So I have no consequence. It's very easy for me to talk. You know, sure, of course there is. So you know what the parochialness of clubs. You know what I mean? It's very. If you're seeing the put. If you're at an AGM, sometimes you can't even criticise or say anything. Never mind go on. Never mind go on the radio yeah. and talk and talk about it. So I, that's not one bit, not one bit surprised me. But look, I, I'm not saying I'm doing anything huge here. But I would know that they'd struggle to do that. So at least I can come on and basically tell they not tell their story, but vouch for that and and like say that yes, this is a thing. And it is, uh, and but that's where that's where parish is, isn't it? It's a very complex topic, though, Fran, isn't it? Because like sure. the parish pride and parochialism yeah. is what makes it, isn't yes, it, Fran? You absolutely, know I mean? and, and it's so and, passionate and, and everything. Where yeah. would we be? But this is the consequence, Fran, isn't it? Though as well, this the other side, like they're like. Like, 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 uh, dare not criticise your parish or your club. Yes. Well, you I, I've, I mean? I've often heard players like yourself, uh, county players, who would yeah. say, "Yeah, it's great to win for the county, but the most important thing is the yeah. club jersey." Yeah. yeah, but you don't. There is another side of Anna. I look. I'm the most. You know how I've spoken about about indeed. what it means and all that. But I'm still of the opinion that there is another side to it as well, and that parish pride is all fine if you're one of the main people there, you know what I mean? But if you're lost to... to See, the problem is, Fran, you're not just lost to, to GA, you know what I mean? You're nearly lost to sport, and that's the problem. Like, if you drop out at that key age, it's not just GA, your life, athletic life, is kind of going to be gone. And the, the other thing, the other the other actually point there, I have a few written down, and trying to get through a few of them here, yeah. is that, like... Um, like that kid who might not make it still at, at making your team, right? Mm. If they stay involved with the club, what could they be? They could be the best chairperson you ever had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the sex, and they're lost as well. Then, and the other, the other thing, Fran, is that I was actually on this last two weeks ago, I think, or three weeks ago. Here, I was on talking about another topic, but mm. Alison asked me about violence mm. at GA games, right? Do you think they're connected or unconnected? I think they're connected. They're very connected, mm. man. Very yeah. connected. Because if you're going, see, this is not like... And look, there is a step between bringing that... There, sorry, there's a number of steps between bringing that approach to a match and then a thought and a ref. There is there is obviously 10 steps. But that's the foundation of it, in my opinion, though, Fran. If you're a coach... Now, Fran, don't... It's not just coaches either, because mm. coaches volunteer as well, Fran. Mm. But yeah. it's parents on the sideline who are not coaches but who are acting like they run the show, you know. And if, they, if they're if they going to an attitude with a ma- to a match that my kid's team has to win this championship here, and suddenly if a decision or two goes against them, well, you know, the steps to going out to the ref is closing pretty quickly, isn't it? You know what I mean? Or assaulting, if they're that, if they're that frustrated or if they're that aggressive on the line about the match, the steps, to go into the ref, as I said, get, get closer. But I, yeah. and just one other point of yeah, sure. The the thing of like wanting to win is not a bad thing, like. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That's where I want to get this across. Well, like, like we've all kids want to win. They want to know the score. They want to know all them things and wanting to do well. Like the tip under 17s winning the All Ireland was a great thing. It was not a bad thing, obviously at all. Um, but it's broadly when. The full desire is only about winning, and when we don't, 
when we don't consider the needs, uh, the long-term needs of the child or the young person, well, that's the problem then, you know. Uh, a lot of people want to say that your discussion is completely about GAA. It's happening in other sports. It's very yeah. important to point that out as yeah, well. because in the, said, in the Fran, Of course I, you did. And in, in the article yeah. yesterday, it spoke about soccer yeah. uh, as well. One of the things, just before I let you go, Timmy, um, uh, the, the lady in question, the mother, Claire drove her son to training and matches all season, uh, but the son stood on the sideline and was the only child not to be played that day. That night he vomited many times. He didn't want to go to school the following day. He cried himself to sleep after writing a heart-wrenching note stating how useless he is. Now, that's well, that's that, unforgivable, that is, isn't that's it? That's an exclusion. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Like, if you did that in the classroom, or if Absolutely. you did that in any other... In any other like after school activity, they'd be they'd be trouble over, wouldn't Absolutely. they? Really, so for sure, that is exclusion, and it is. But in all these things, like there's so much things that clubs can do to explain to parents to have like parents' information, even explain that no kid can play every match all of the time. All those things sometimes it have to be taken off, sometimes to be picked on the B and C team, all that things. But we'd have to do our best to be fair and to not intentionally exclude one or two kids because there's a big difference if three or four are are taken off but if one is just blatantly not included at all like that's a you know that's mm. a, that's that's bad isn't yeah, it yeah and we've all seen it happen Timmy it's always a pleasure to talk yeah. to you and thank you so much for your time this morning Timmy thanks Brian bye thank bye. you and bye bye to you now former tip hurler uh, Timmy Hammersley there uh, often contributes to our programme and thanks to Timmy there um, lots coming in on this I mean so much coming on where this is concerned the caller says that uh, in our local under 15s team nine players left this year because they weren't getting any games whatsoever Martin Brown uh, Deputy Martin Brown was on to say well done to Timmy one way of changing is to have no competitive uh, competitive games up to under 16 and make it compulsory for all players to get equal time on the field I think that is certainly worth a discussion uh, for sure lots more coming in I'll bring it to you in just a moment Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie the Imro Radio Award winning Tip Today with Slattery's Garage Puck On test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage Puck On. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slatterysgarage.ie This says I know exactly how that woman feels. My son has experienced blatant exclusion. Coaches don't seem to realise the impact this has on mental health of young players and I'm delighted that this issue is being highlighted. Well, we're delighted to highlight it but it's very hard to get uh, parents to talk about this because as I said, with two parents in particular who have amazing stories to tell um, they're afraid of repercussions from uh, the club. I'm delighted to be joined now by Mary Schwalsch Mirish, of course, sports broadcaster and involved in coaching for a long time. Mirish, good morning to you. Morning, Frank. And uh, thanks very much indeed for coming on with us today. You highlighted that article to us yesterday as well, Mirish. Um, mm-hmm. What's your take on all of this? Uh, well, it's my take on it is that it didn't start this year or last year. Uh, it's been going on a long time. Um, it's behind the paywall, almost, Fran, but it exists. Um, and it's rather depressing. And um, but I think uh, your previous speaker just got the end of him 
Terry Hammersley, yeah. Yeah, Timmy. Mm. Yeah, he made a very good point that, you know, every club has a field committee, development committee, but they don't have a coaching committee. Yes. And I think, and I think that's, that's a very, very salient point. What would the advantage of that be, Marish? Well, I, I, the advantage of that for me would be, I, I'll just give you my own experience. Mm. Uh, when I took over a team a couple of years ago, I, I was the classic, uh, took over the team because my son was on the team. Mm. Now, I wouldn't be a fantastic coach, but I got a really, really good coach in with me. This was at a soccer team at Clement Town. Mm. I got a really good coach in with me who was now coaching the juniors, the first team in Clement Town. And what I did was I met with the parents and I explained uh, the the rules and regulations uh, around... Um, the way we were going to approach things. And there is a thing in, in, in soccer um, where there's a rule up to under 16 where it's roll on, roll off, which means that every player must get a game. But of course, unfortunately, coaches can sometimes only pay lip service to that. Mm-hmm. And by that means, that shout out at the referee and say, how much is left? Ref, two minutes, on you go, Fran. So Fran gets his two minutes. But that's not in the spirit of it. So... Um, I explained to the parents that you see you have to manage the parents as well. Yes. I, uh, yeah, you know. So I explained to the parents that you know uh, we are the coaches. This is what's going to happen, and that there's going to be I'm going to keep and I did uh, a record of the starting eleven every week, and then on a Thursday night or a Friday night I would go to Ramey, my coach. And I'd say to him, Remy Condon, I'd say to him, listen, Fran and Shea haven't started the last two games. They're going to start on Saturday, irrespective. And so our philosophy was to teach the skills of the game. Uh, That was the most important thing. Even at the risk of losing a game? Even at the risk of losing a game, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the thing is, Fran, you're a penist, right? But after two lessons, I mean, I'm sure no one expected you to sit down and, and play Rachmaninoff. For sure. You know, so um, the, the, our philosophy was was that you teach the lessons, or sorry, you, te- you, you, you teach the, the, the skills of the game you teach them about empathy. You teach them about uh, winning. You teach them about how to win. You teach them about how to lose. Nobody likes to lose, Fran. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you got to feel something different from the day you, you lose to the day you win. Otherwise, there's no point doing yes. it. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, um, my, my view on it would be was that if, if you say it to parents, as well, it's my way or no way, then you lose the parents. So the parents then are speaking behind your back. So my approach would be, if you have a problem, if you have an issue, come to us, speak to us one-on-one in a calm voice, and we'll try and sort out what the issue is so that we're all in this together, okay? Mm-hmm. And the other thing about it was I always taught the players about respecting the referee under no circumstances was the referee. Uh, the referee was above reproach, he, he, irrespective of what decision he makes. I mean, if someone said to me that was never a penalty, I'd say, well, it was because the referee gave it. Mm. Even if I thought in my own head he made a mistake, 
Yes, but, but it was his but, decision. It was yes. his decision, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, Fran, children are self-motivated. You know, the, the, often your biggest problem when you're dealing with young children is to get them to focus. Mm. You know, so shouting and roaring at them is not a way of getting them to focus. I mean, the louder you shout, the less you're going to be heard. Oh, that's very experience. interesting. So that's, in fact, it diverts them, doesn't it, if they're yeah, yeah being shouted at? Yeah. yeah, and I mean, before you get into the, you go all Brian Cody on them or get into the big Al Pacino inches mm. speeches, you know, speak to them in a calm manner so that they're calm and, they're, and, and they can go out and they can enjoy the game. This is about fun. This is about, um, and I think Timmy was mm. right there when he said, I've, I've often said this, if you lose a player at 30, you could be losing a great chairman, you could be losing a great secretary. Yeah, because but I couldn't get over it, and I know you didn't hear the start of it, but Timmy was telling me that he was a weak player in his early years, but like, look at the player he turned out to be, you know? Yeah, you see, and they can be, and they can be late developers. And yes. I mean, you know, and I, I, I just, you know, I, something I wanted to say there when we were talking about our late friend Dennis O'Sullivan there a few weeks ago, um, like, I, I mentioned the fact, and, and, and this is very important, I mentioned the fact that I was in Banakumbara, and I sat alongside my brother Owen, who, you know, is a fantastic French horn player. Yes. Right? And was in the band from day one. Now, Fran, I was not, by any stretch of the imagination, a good French horn player. I wasn't a good musician. Right? Right, okay? And nobody will ever say, you know, God, he was a great French horn player. If they did, they're deaf, tone deaf. Right? But my point is, I was never... Danny Carroll or anybody involved in Bannockloon Mala never took away my self-esteem. They never, they never made me feel as if I wasn't part of it. And what I got, I remember my time in Bannockloon Mala fondly. And I got an appreciation of music that I wouldn't have got if I hadn't have been in the band. So it wasn't all about of talent. And, and that's very interesting. But of course, the difference is the competitive aspect of Gaar soccer. Yeah, it, well, that's but the problem is it, it, it is the competitive nature. Of it. Yes. But but you see, I I think what happens is that coaches they don't use their heads. Like you have adults, you you have adults in positions, Fran, who are you're trying to get them to uh, apply the highest standards of discipline, and I would say morality is the word I would use, and they can't spell it themselves. And I, I remember doing an interview with Willie Barris about 11 or 12 years ago. And I said to him that there's a level of violence and abuse that's deemed acceptable within the GEA. And Willie is, is the boss man of the Referees Association in the GEA, and he agreed with me. And nothing has, nothing has improved. And, 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 but, but, but I come back to my point about coaches not using their heads. Say you, say you have a player who, who's, on the, who's on the weaker side, Okay, mm. uh, what we used to do was, and what we tried to do, and 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 this is, goes back to your original question: What would a coaching committee do if you had an ethos or a philosophy within a club, be it a GA club, soccer club, whatever it may be? Right, put that player in a position. Okay, don't hide him, don't don't you know, don't just you know shove him into the goal and humiliate him. Okay, and mm. say, look, I gave him get right. Put him into a position that if he makes a mistake, it's of minimal consequence. Mm. So that he's mm. not going home 
feeling when it was all my fault. Yes, yes. So don't so don't play don't play him centre back. So that if he misses a header or he swings at a ball and he missed it and the other team scores a goal and his other his teammates are getting on to him. Maybe play him in midfield. Maybe play him in the wing. Or encourage him. Keep on encouraging him to play and come back and feel part of it. The other thing that 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 um that I I did was I sent I gave a questionnaire to the players asking them what they felt we could do better. And interesting. And what came back from that? What came back from that was that like you know what we feel we should be doing better the drills. We could be doing better drills. Right. But it was um, positive. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was. Positive, generally yeah. it was positive, yeah. Can I ask you finally, did you get much grief from parents over the years? Uh, not, 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 not really. Uh, look, Ron, I don't, I don't want to come across as someone overly pious about all of this. No, because my attitude was that I, I, I spoke to the parents first day. They were the people I spoke to first. They're the adults in the room. The children, the children aren't the problem. It's the adults are the problem. So you spoke to them. And sometimes you, sometimes you got a, a small bit of grief from the parents. But, um, but I, I included them all the way along. Yes. And I spoke to them. And I think if you speak to... I think if... Look, if you speak to, to reasonable people, they'll be reasonably... They'll be reasonable back with you. There's always yeah. a loud somewhere. Would it surprise you to know that I'm just looking at the screens here. I don't think at this hour of the morning we've ever gotten a reaction to an item that we're getting to this. Would that surprise yeah. you? No, it doesn't. No. Doesn't, Fran. It doesn't. I've, I've, I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've seen it at first hand. Mm. I, 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 I don't want to go into any great detail, but I've seen it at first hand. I've heard stories. I've heard nightmare yeah. stories uh, in GA and in uh, and in soccer. I think. I think. Look, mm. there, 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 there are people there who are they're egomaniacs. They're, they're in charge of. Of, of children um, and they act in a manner that as Timmy said if they acted in any other arena it would be, there would be they, you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be acceptable, wouldn't be acceptable. and right. the final point I just want to say to, 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 to any parent out there that has an issue with a club you know and is it, and I, I I would strongly advise them I would strongly advise them to go and speak to the child welfare officer, particularly in the GA club, because every club, every GA club, has to have a child welfare officer. So go and, and speak to that person. All right, Marish, I, I must leave it there, but thank you so much for your time this morning, as always, Marish. Thank you for raising a, a lot of uh, very interesting points there. As I say, huge response to this, and we will get back to it in just a moment. The Imro Radio Award-winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call tip today on 1-800-938-007. A judge has encouraged a prolific offender who sexually attacked a woman he met through a dating website to find a wife or partner and get a family and a home together. Kyle Patrick Feeney uh, first appeared in court over two years ago, originally charged with raping the victim in her own home. Now, the comments were made by Judge Brian Sherrard 
in sentencing Feeney yesterday. To talk to me about this, I'm joined now by Tipperary woman, uh, Nolene Blackwell, who is CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Nolene, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And uh, thanks for your time this morning, Nolene. You know, I, I had to read this a couple of times just to make sure that I, I got it right. What do you make of that? Oh, yeah, well, actually, when Ali sent me, your Ali sent me on the link yesterday, I really went, oh, lordy, what is what is the story here? It's a long time since I've heard that sort of um, uh, advice to a man to find a woman to divert him uh, from his uh, from his bad ways. Now, the good news, I suppose, for people in this jurisdiction is that it wasn't a judge. In, in the Republic of Ireland, yes, it was yeah. a Northern Ireland court, and um, this, and and in fairness, he also imposed a significant sentence of four and a half years uh, for the assault uh, on the woman who was really badly impacted by it. Um, uh, but here's the thing that is really extraordinary in this day and age: that a judge in a very similar jurisdiction to our own, and they have the same problems, and they're trying to raise awareness in their judiciary as well, that the judge said that even though this man had 67 previous uh, convictions, including uh, uh, several relating to domestic violence, there were eight p- women who had non-molestation orders out against him, which is kind of like our mm. safety orders. He didn't connect up the dots. Right. And, and, and those, those orders, sorry, Nolan, just to point out to listeners, included his mother and his grandmother. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So he had a history of domestic violence. He had a history of physical assault. He had a history of violence. And he is being treated within the justice system as a violent offender. The probation officer suggested that he be labelled a violent offender in this case. But the judge just said this is the first sexual offence, which which takes, which means that none of the the work that uh, people in Northern Ireland have been doing. None of the work that, none of the information that's out there for people now, that that sexual assault on its own is often accompanied by physical assault, uh, by uh, by coercive control, by uh, threatening behaviour. All of these things come together quite regularly on a spectrum of violence. And therefore, this was a very serious incident on the one hand. And that was one of the things that's very, I suppose, wearing about this, that that the judge didn't see that. Um, And the other thing that's very wearing is that uh, something which really literally stems from biblical times is being used as a way of trying to ensure that somebody goes straight. Go and find another woman not looking at the woman, but looking at the needs of the man. So just, I don't know, Fran, but it's just, it's, I, I don't know. You don't hear it in the way you did. But I do remember back to a day when, you know, somebody would be, it would be suggested someone would adopt a child yes. in order to straighten out a marriage, um, that, that a man get married if he was in trouble. So these are the kind of things that you, you would have thought, first of all, they don't work. Uh, it's not a good idea. It is not wise to suggest it. And secondly, I, I would have thought that the way of treating a woman as another sort of form of rehabilitation was gone, but clearly not. It, it, Cle- it, clearly it was, not indeed. He de- yeah. The judge declined to ban him from contacting women through the internet as well, because, and, and I'm yes. quoting the judge here, he didn't want him excluded from normal life. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, So really, in some ways, 
it, it was nearly seen like uh, this was a an aberration. The poor man. Um, it didn't. It, to to my mind, it's very hard to tell. I'm always slow to um, comment on a sentence when I haven't been there for the whole case and I haven't of heard course, the whole thing. But nonetheless, uh, to to I suppose it's his comments around uh, around how to how to use a woman in order to rehabilitate himself that are just kind of you think oh surely not in the 21st century like this is this is thinking that um treats women as as an object uh, treats them as something that can be useful to a man instead of recognizing that there was a real a demonstrated risk to to women right throughout this man's adult career and to women mm-hmm. to whom he uh, to whom he was related, as you say, his mother and grandmother. So, so it's just look. We we have to hope that for the most part, everybody will be shocked by this. It is good to see this kind of thing being reported as news, and um, and you know that possibly means that it's not acceptable anymore, and that it's you know that it would yes. actually be noted in the paper and not just passed off as as a normal thing. Yeah, it's, what, what it's smacks of, of the old days as well, Nolene was. Now I know he's passed away, but the prison chaplain, for example, do you remember yeah. years ago the priest would go into bat for somebody in a court, but but the prison chaplain had written to the court and said the character image of the defendant being a menace to vulnerable women is one I find hard to reconcile, given he's wait for this one, his moral sensibilities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I I have a problem with that on two levels. First of all, I think the whole way in which character references and uh, supports like that can be brought out without the person who writes them being available in court to stand over them. In this case, he had passed away, in fact, yeah. Exactly. Well, he couldn't, in fairness, he couldn't stand over and, and he possibly believed it. But he should, it should have been, it should, you should not, it should not have been allowed in then as a court document if he wasn't there to explain how he could say that in the light of what looks like a, a, a series of red flags. Like, you wouldn't have to be a genius at risk assessment to identify that there were a lot of red flags, a lot of risks um, to women identified in this man's history and his behaviour and even in the crime with which he was now charged and convicted. Nolan, I know you're up to your eyes this morning and thank you for taking time out for us and uh, good morning to you, Nolan. Thanks. No, no thanks. it's lovely to talk to you. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much. Bye-bye. 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 Now, that's a temporary woman, Nolene Blackwell there. Nolene, of course, the CEO of the Dublin uh, Rape Crisis Centre. But that is rather um, unbelievable, isn't it? As I say, I had to read through it a couple of times when Ali gave it to me, just to make sure I got it right. But the the judge encouraged a a guy, prolific offender indeed, sexually attacked a woman. Um, Non-molestation orders from eight women, including his mother and his grandmother. And uh, the judge's advice was find a wife or partner and get a family and, and a home together and Fix yourself. Um, amazing. Um, it's just to bring you some of what's come into us on the whole subject of the GAA. My two daughters play both football and camogie. And oh my God, it's all politics. It's all about winning these days and not taking part and learning skills and enjoying the game. It's only ever the best players are put on. I watch girls absolutely committed, turning up for training sessions, never getting game time. And if they do, it's when the teams are winning well and they come in for the last five minutes. 
The GAA is poison, says this listener, and they're ruining children's mental health. They use the word inclusion, mental health, in their logos, and clubs are doing a, a lap a day for mental health uh, walk at present. And it's a joke. They don't advocate it on the sideline. And this is why kids drop out of sport. They know why. Just acknowledge it. Uh, GAA, says one of our listeners. Fran, no child fair welfare, uh, child welfare in place. Uh, we had a situation where two members of an underage team bullied a child so bad that it nearly finished his or her life. Manager knew about the situation but nothing was done by the child welfare officer. We have nothing more to do with this shameful club. It's about who you are, says one of our listeners. Uh, another listener says, Fran, uh, that just says it all when people are afraid to, to talk because of repercussions. Uh, that lady should tell her son that he is better than any of the people running the team and it's nothing to do with other children. It's adults is the problem. And and that's all fine and very well. But if you have a young lad who was there on the side, he turned up to all of the the the, the training sessions and all of the games and stuff. The team are winning. Eventually they won but he was left on the sideline all of the time and he tried to sort of join in the celebrations but that night he was throwing up at home and he was crying and he was devastated and didn't want to go to, to school the following day and and all of that. Good morning friend. When I was 12 years of age I played with a, a, um, a certain club in the county. They objected to me playing with them because I lived in a different parish I went to school and again I'm trying not to pinpoint clubs here but anyway it finished me playing hurling I'm 36 now I never played hurling since and I was good at it looking back now it was so pathetic for a club to do that to a young boy Fran this is going on for years and it starts in the schools it's all about favouritism um, okay, uh, yes, uh, Timmy is right uh, and Moorish is right. Coaches only select their own sons. How can they get a transfer? And that's according to Mary. Uh, the other thing is that clubs, especially those who have a few teams, are moving good players from A or B onto D and um, tracing players from the start to the end of the season. The linesmen should be checking the players are the same team at the start of the year and subs are legit and wearing bibs so that they are not taking players off for a rest and on at the end of the win. Does that go on as well? Uh, yeah. Uh, my two daughters both play football and uh, camogie and oh my God, it's all about politics. It's all about winning. Uh, one more for now. It's awful, Fran. I help with girls and lately we've been... Uh, we were being well beaten and I asked uh, the men with me to give a couple of girls a run as I knew we were being beaten, uh, but they wouldn't. It gets deflating and when kids are not played at underage, they won't be there as adult players. And these girls train week in, week out, uh, which is what I always look at. So that's just a small taste of the incredible number of text and WhatsApp that's been coming into us today. 1800 if you want to speak to uh, Emma. And you can text on WhatsApp on 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Saving over six... Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. In case you've just joined us, we've been talking about issues within... Uh, the GAA, and uh, this conversation springs from a, a piece in the Irish Times yesterday where a couple of mothers uh, were talking about the fact that their kids, even though highly committed indeed to the various games in question, uh, constantly left on the sideline and very obviously this is having an effect on their mental health. Now, just a couple of more um, text first of all Fran the GAA is very parochial and I know when my son used to play that blow-ins to the parish were the last to be picked certain families who were the natives dominated the club and their children were always first to be picked there were old fellows in charge and problems like mental health and bullying etc they wouldn't have the cop on to deal with it and Noel was on to say Fran the GAA destroyed my son's confidence he was never picked for a team and in my naivety I encouraged him not to quit if I had my day back I would have allowed him to stop playing a lot sooner and I would have given the coach a serious piece of my mind. The GAA policy of inclusion is laughable and I really feel the issue should be addressed at a national level says Noel and I think all of the response today is summed up in an email that we just received and um, if I can have your patience just to uh, bring it to you Good morning, Fran, it says. I just want to tell the story of my son, which is exactly the same as all of the others that I've read. My son is small for his age, but a nice little hurler. He loves hurling. Our family loves hurling. It's a wonderful way to get to know people in your community and be involved. However, I'm struggling to keep my son involved for the issues that have been discussed by other parents. My son never misses a training session or a match, but is constantly left on the sideline. The issues of putting players of the age below perceived to be better hurlers on the field instead of the players that are up to age is destroying a lot of our young players. My son was left on the sideline of an under-13 championship match with the good under-11 players uh, put on to play. As a result, he felt he was just not good enough. Roll on to the under-15s. He started off great. The first few matches he played, he was scoring a point and a couple of goals. And then he was dropped and under-13 players put on while he is on the sideline with his confidence and his self-esteem in tatters. He came home from a recent challenge match and cried and cried. So at that point, I rang the coach. I may have well been ta- may as well have been talking to the man in the moon. They just don't understand the effect that they're having on children. There should be no parent in charge of a team with their own child playing because they are favoured all of the time. I want to keep my child in sport, but already he's saying things like, why should I go training? Sure, I won't be played or I won't get any game time. It's destroying his confidence. I'd love to come on the radio with you, Fran, and tell my story, but you just can't do that. The club would take the view that you're just whinging that your son is not being played. But that is not it at all. My son loves his teammates and gets on very well with them. And that is the only thing that is keeping him hanging at the moment. The issue is that coaches want to win at all costs and don't care about the children on the sideline. As a club, we are now in another 15 championship semi-final, but have a situation where the very good players will move up to minor next year. And what is left 
are the young lads who have been left on the sideline all year and will struggle big time next year because we'll be moving up to a higher group. There is no joint up thinking at all. Timmy Hammersley was spot on. It might be just me, but I just don't understand if you have 20, say, under 15 players, why all of them cannot be given a chance to play. Instead, the good players, and she has that in uh, inverted commas, the good players for under their age are on the field. This destroys the confidence in those lads. It's just very sad, but it can be changed with some good coaching. And thank you for highlighting this issue. That's sent to us by email. 1800 Now, the plight of a Tipperary family who are now living in a tent was raised in the Doyle last week. Graham King, his wife Patricia, and their two children, aged 9 and 10, are living in a tent in Gary Kennedy, and they've been unable to secure housing of any kind. And Graham uh, joins me now. Graham, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Uh, it's actually Castle Lock we're in, not not Gary Kennedy. The, the amenities are in Gary Kennedy. Um, so very good. And, uh, Castle Lock isn't too far from Gary Kennedy, though. It's is it? not. It's only around the corner, about a five minute drive. Okay. Will you tell me how you ended up with your your family in a tent? Because it's important to point out as well that your your two kids living with autism as well, Graham. Yeah. Look, my wife. Um, her, her mental health wasn't the best and she came to an agreement with her mother to move out move out to her place. And there was already four people out there. Um, so you add another four into that, especially two special needs kids and the goodwill will wear out very fast. So we just, it was inevitable really. We just, we just found ourselves um, looking for places and no one willing to rent to us. And, and then we ended up in a car and then we had a tent, and another tent, and another tent. <laughs> so um, that that's just how it went, you know. And you're in a unique position because you're not looking for a council house. This is my understanding. No, no. Um, uh, because your wife is working, and you could afford to pay a rent, but there's just nothing available. Is that is that? No, fair? we um, we went the whole uh, we went that whole route uh, looking for emergency accommodation and the woman behind the counter didn't even finish filling out the, the, the form once she knew the combined income um, so we knew that was out of the way so the only way we managed to get any, any sort of an interview for the council house list was by getting the school and St Vincent de Paul involved they got us to meeting and again no matter what way they fiddled with the numbers we were earning too much so you know, contrary to popular belief, um, we're not looking for a council house or free houses or anything like that. We're just looking for a sympathetic landlord to rent to a family. That's it. And not to be facetious about it, but would you be in a better position if your wife chose not to work, for example? Uh, we would. And um, to be honest, we have been contemplating that. But my wife has been working for the last six years, and to be honest, look, she wants to work, and she's and a lot It's important for her work. mental health, obviously. It is. To, it's important for yes. anyone's mental health. Like, you know, she wants to work. That was her choice, and I said, look, I look after the kids then. There's no problem. And she's been happy doing it, but I, I don't feel like she should have to give up her work, you know? Um, but that that is, unfortunately, the next, um, the next board to call. For us. And are you, are you a designated carer for your kids? I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. on disability myself, yes. and I get half cares for um, 
for the two kids. And I think this is where the common misconception has fallen into place that uh, we want a free house because we have been like, I talk a lot about it on social media and I think a lot of people who aren't listening just keep thinking you're on disability, you're looking for a free house. We're not. We're, we're looking for, like I said, we're looking for someone that can twist the landlord's uh, arm to rent to us or just someone that would be willing to rent to us, you know, because with the two autistic kids, like the two autistic kids in the tent, like, I mean, it breaks up their routine completely and it's what they need. They just, they, they need a house, they need routine, no more than any other adult. And well, with, so. with two kids and, and yourselves, how do you manage to live in a tent? I mean, how do you manage for showers and loos and all Um well, luckily enough, in Castle Lock, there are um, Waterways Ireland um, have facilities. Now, in Castle Lock, we have toilets, uh, which is great. Uh, down in Gary Kennedy, they have... Uh, we can do the laundry down there, we can get the kids showered, there's toilets down there, the whole work. So we're, we're pretty much looked after. Um, but you're boy, still living in a tent. We're still... Li- well, my wife and kids live down in the tent. I, because of... Uh, physical restraints on my back actually can't lie down straight so I just sleep in the car but um, yeah it is it is a predicament look I'm not going to lie my wife's physical uh, health isn't getting much better from day I think day 46 in a tent now um, you know it's it's not I understand how you know mm. people need beds to lie in but um, you know it, it, I'm okay but it, it's the rest of my family I'm worried about, you know. And, you know, I found last night at home, we had to put on the heat. It was getting chilly. I mean, we're, we're going into, what are we, we're in autumn now, we're approaching yeah. winter. Uh, and, like, to live in a tent as it gets cold, I, I, I can't imagine Yeah, what luckily, like. I mean, I say luckily, we, we have every blanket known to man from sleeping bags upwards. But at the end of the day, we were still able to see our breath in the tent the other night. So it it is tough, but... You know, the kids, they just get on with it. It's just a part of life to them, you know, once you sit down and explain that, look, this is where we are now. But, again, when, you know, when myself and the wife sit down about it, we have to talk about it seriously. We, You know, we have to wonder what the next step is. I mean, luckily enough, the kids, well, my, my son, the older one, he's kind of oblivious, you know, because of his level two or his... Autism is at level two. I think that's the way to do it these days. But like yes. he's he's in his own world the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? The, if he has a book or a tablet or something like that in front of him, he doesn't he doesn't worry about what's going on. Uh, he'll go up to the playground and you know the young one. She's level one. She'll go out and she'll feed the ducks and play with other kids in the playground and you know they're, they're up, But the thing is, like we're the ones that have to sit down and, and worry and worry about where the next step is. You know. Um, I know that you you spoke about Alan Kelly and the help that he's given you. He, he it was spoken about in the Doyle, wasn't it? It was. Um, my my wife. We were doing homework in in the library, and my wife just got angry, and she was she was like, "Why is there only one TD willing to help us, and maybe one or two counsellors?" So what she in a moment, I, I'd say a fit of anger. She she emailed every senator TD and counsellor in Tipperary. Um, so needless to say, the phone was hopping for a few days. Uh, but I think what happened is a lot of the counsellors misconstrued what she was saying. 
you know, because a lot of them just put us on, put a, put our um, problem to the housing department, which was not what we wanted. Because at this point, we knew we weren't getting the house. So basically, all these referrals going into the housing department were uh, null and void, basically. So the woman running that got in touch with my wife, and she was like, look, all these applicants are just flooding in for you. And we knew there was nothing we could do. Yes, because the um, spokeswoman said that, unfortunately, unfortunately, you're well in excess. Now, that's the, we are, the, the, we are. Of, of social housing income yeah. limits. But the threshold is very low, isn't it? It is, it is. And um, I, I I don't know. I honestly, I, I wouldn't be into the, the facts and the figures of things now. But uh, my wife has given out an awful lot that, like, the amount of tax she pays um, and there's not one bit of help coming back. Right. I mean, she feels... She's, she's she, paying her taxes is what she is, and is You know what I mean? She said, she, I think, and she thinks herself that anyone paying tax should be entitled to emergency accommodation no matter what, especially with two kids involved. Have you done the rounds, Graeme, in terms so of, I mean, when, when, when something comes up for rent, have you... I have look. We have been we've we've been to Clare, Limerick, Limerick County, Nina, Bursley, Turles, Ross Grey, parts of Burr. Uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, I was just that even yes, I think it was yesterday, the day before, I was down in Turles, um mm. for the the second time or third time that month. Right, and I don't want you um, to be specific for me, but on what basis are you turned down if if you've come across a house? There that is might no be- basis. Do, do they come no, back and say, well, it's no, because of this or that? No. No. And they no. don't have to do that? They, see, they don't have to do that. Now, look, we in our own heads reckon it's because you can fit more professional people into a house and get more money out of it. But, you know what I mean? The, you have to take into consideration, too, that if there's a family looking for a house, you know, you have to... You, you, surely it put them as a priority. Now, bear in mind, I've never told any of these auctioneers or uh, private renters that we were homeless. Because you know, I don't know whether that would um, that would come against you as well as that come what against you're us, or we'd be looking for a sympathy vote because we just want to be on the same. Right, um, and has would it be known to them that uh, your your lovely children have special needs, for example? Would no, I no. wouldn't say okay. any of that. But right. in all fairness, if they if they see me on social media, they would know. But um, at the end of the day, when I when I go to a viewing. I go to a view and it's just a normal person looking at a house that I'm interested in. And, you know, they've, they've told us, auctioneers have told us when they show, look, if you're interested, email us back. We'll see what we can do. And we do email them back, but we never hear anything back. That's the, you know, that that's the protocol, it seems. So, You you did have a home, were you involved? You did have a home under Cluid. That's a housing I agency, did, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, and they were great. Um, I lived with them uh, well before I met my wife in 2007. Right. All oh, right, to, that wasn't with your kids yeah, and stuff. Okay. Yeah, but right. right up to uh, I think it was 2021, 20, 22, and that was when my wife and her mother came to an agreement with each other. And I just said, "Look, I'm behind you all the way. If you want to move, you want to move. I, you know, yes, your mental health is your wealth, and that's the way I looked at it. So." Right. Uh, we moved. But yeah, I mean, that sort of housing, it's great for people, you know. Right. So what, I mean, put it out there now, what you're looking for, Graham, just in case somebody's listening who can actually help. Look, there's two things I'm looking for. It's that someone could maybe help my wife and my kids, just leave me out of it for the minute. Just, if someone could help 
my wife and my kids to either get a house or some sort of emergency accommodation or that they would be willing to house us. Um, it's, it's not much to and ask. And you for. would pay you would pay rent, obviously. Oh, we have the, the deposit like has been sitting in 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 our account. Like we haven't touched that. Right. So you have a you deposit know, ready. We we have a deposit, and we know our um, we know our limits as to what we can pay. But you know that that's it. Like I mean, we just want a house, we're just like anyone else, really, except we're in a kind of a worse off predicament. But you know, all I want is a sympathetic landlord that will you know, give us a house that's suitable to have a family in and you'll never have a problem with rent or bills, you know. Right, and, you know, do you feel, are you typical of a family that's falling through the cracks in some way? You're somewhere between somebody who is out there, maybe with two people working, and somebody who's on social welfare. You're kind of in the middle of all of this. Is that is that I a am, description? Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. We're not the first homeless, we're not the first homeless people in a tent in, in um, Castle Lock. Um, a couple of months back, we had a tradesman who was who was basically in the the same spot we are now, and he was roofing houses uh, close by, but he he couldn't afford um, a house to rent, so he was coming back to a tent as well. So you know, there's there's plenty of us out there. I mean, when I put that when I put that video, I put a video up on TikTok that. You know, I was going to be homeless with two autistic kids and a wife, and then and I was angry. And then I found out that there's going to be plenty of more people in that position. So I was like, I can't afford to be angry for myself anymore. I, you know, I have to do something that's just going to help someone else. Or you know, and, and do you find through. that people get the wrong end of the stick? Because I I just see somebody here saying, "Get out and work." Nobody should get a free house. So that's somebody who is missing the point of the conversation. A hundred percent. And I answer these comments every day. And if they do, you get this on your on your social media account. Do you get this kind day. of thing. It doesn't matter. Every day, like it's just I, and I and the amount of videos that I have said in you know when we've travelled the route we've travelled. That I know I'm not entitled to a free house. I don't want a free house, but I want someone. I mean, we we don't have that entitlement now, but we we need a landlord that will rent us because we are completely away from uh, the the council part of things. It's not a case of me working. I look. I mean, I was told yesterday that uh, being a carer is, I suppose, is better than a real job. It's it's still having to look after two kids. I mean. You know, while while someone else is out there working, right. I mean, and you, you have a disability as well. You, were I have, that. yeah. Um, I was in an I was in a car accident a few years back, and I like if if I lie down flat on my back, I can't bend my feet. So, um, or I can't straighten my feet as well. So basically, sleeping in the car is actually better for me than sleeping in a tent. So. Mm. It's also bringing up. I just again looking at the screen here, bringing up lots of stuff about. Oh God, I should be careful about saying this. But people are making the point that we're housing refugees and we're housing Ukrainians and we're doing all of this and here is Look, somebody living in a tent. You you don't have that sort of... I have no particular interest in taking a right-wing view of yeah, yeah. Um, who's housed and who's not. And Look, again, does this come up on your, your, your social media? Every Though, day. And to be it, honest, yeah. I have to filter the stuff out. There's some stuff I leave in, there's some stuff I leave out. Um, I let people have full-blown conversations in, in comment sections and it's just I, I'll pop in now and again just to see what they're saying mm, but mm. look people from war-torn areas 
are just as much entitled to a house yes. as you, anyone else. You, you, fact, don't, they, you or your family, you don't want to be used as a, a I, pawn I in all of this. I to be used as a pawn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, if Ukrainians are coming over getting housed and need it, so be it. They need the housing. Um, I'm not going to take that away from anyone. At the end of the day, if my, my chance comes along and I get a house, well, then I was meant to get a house. You know what I mean? It's just, you can't take away from other people. All right. You know, and it doesn't matter. I could be lying in a sleeping bag in a shop door and I would still say the same thing. I'm just a diff- We're just a different type of homeless, if you know what I mean. How do you look to the... I'm just wondering about your own head. I mean, you spoke about your, your wife's mental health, but what about your own head? I mean, you see lovely kids there, you know, your, your two kids and your... You'd like to think that their future would be a positive one. As well. what What's going on in your head? Well, look, Fran, I've always tried to be a positive person. Um, even when I wasn't homeless, I was helping homeless. Um, I used to have people knocking on my door, basically giving me lists of what they want. And I had people I could contact, and I would help anyone. It's just, I'm just, I, my wife says the same thing as, as you've just said, and she can't figure out like how I'm so positive about it, but you have to be. You know, I mean, you can't um, wallow in self-pity because you're homeless. You have to get off your arse and you have to get out there and do what needs to be done. Now, I live day to day, basically. I make sure my kids are fed, they have clothes in their backs, they have lunches going to school. That's all I can do. You know, that we have, if, if something happens with the tent, that I'll be able to get a replacement as quick as possible. I... If I'm kept busy day to day, my wife, um, she looks at the long term. She looks at the housing list. She looks at the the view and she gives me the numbers to call. I'll do that. And when she's working, I'll go view the houses. So I'm kept busy either way. But um, my mental health doesn't come into it because uh, I need to look after the rest of them. And maybe when we do get a house and, you know, I do get to just rest up maybe that's when I can sort myself out. But for the moment, um, my mental health doesn't come into it. So, Well, Graeme, we wish you and your family the very, very best for putting it out there. I mean, if some somebody has a, a Just house... Just a sympathetic for, landlord, for that's all yeah. we need. All right, OK. Well, you look after yourself. And thanks for coming Thank on you, with Brett. me, Graeme. Thank you. My best no to your problem. family. Thank you. Bye-bye Thank bye to you much. now. Um, Councillor David Dunn was on to us to say that at Monday's council meeting, uh, I asked the question, how many rough sleepers... Have we in Tipperary and was told we have about 20? I'm wondering, is this poor family included in those figures? This is totally uh, inexplicable. And uh, it's why I asked again for log cabins or mobile homes to be provided by the council on a temporary basis so nobody would have to sleep in a tent or on the street. Back to the issue of uh, the GAA and uh, the young girls and boys not getting games. Uh, Good morning, Fran. I'm a coach and a referee. I've seen parents on the sidelines demanding their son play and other times parents verbally abusing their kids at halftime while coaches are trying to talk to the team. As a coach, you try to be fair and competitive, but balanced with game time on teams that I've coached. Uh, Players who don't get a game time uh, one week will get a full game the next. We need to remember a coach is a parent or a volunteer. If a parent wants to, they can coach all codes, have coaching courses. It's not that hard and most parents are bringing their kids anyway. The situation uh, where the child where the child got no game time is a disgrace and this should never happen, says one of our listeners on 083 311 
the Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery's Garage. Tip Today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, Alyssa says adults are the problem, not the kids, Fran. But kids see how adult mentors treat uh, the not-so-good players and it follows on. It's a very corrupt organisation. Rural clubs are worse, I imagine, as everybody knows everybody else. And people are afraid to stand up to the adult bullies. The email uh, is summing up what's happening in most uh, clubs. You can't say anything or there will be consequences. Uh, Croke Park need to step up and forbid... Uh, players playing up it says here, that's in on 083 311 Now Lucy Kennedy's brand new four part series Lucy Investigates started on Monday night, we got a huge reaction to this uh, yesterday, um, a lot of people are very annoyed and very disgusted about it indeed um, now we had a look at it yesterday afternoon and to be honest which I found more, I, I found it kind of pathetic and sad and miserable in some ways but anyway, but um, Lucy, anyway, seemingly she jumped out of her comfort zone into some of the country's most fascinating subcultures. She lifted a lid on what's trending in the sex and kink scene in Ireland. Now, she got invited to her first ever pop party and she learned all about self-intimacy. She met a professional dominatrix and secured access to a private play party as well. Now, as I say, a few listeners in touch with us to share their reaction. And Barbara joins me. Barbara, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, Barbara. And you too, Fran. You, you saw at least some of this show. What, what did you make of it, Barbara? Um, I was very shocked it was on at 9 o'clock. I mean, for a programme like that, it should have been aired around, say, 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Now, I went out to make myself a cup of tea, came back in and seen her outside the sex shop, OK? Yes. Um, I was going, why is she going in there? Because I actually thought it was to do with cosmetics, you know, because I just seen clips of it being advertised. Yes. I, I think one of the other uh, programmes, I think, will deal with that. But yeah, so you, you, yeah. you didn't know really what was coming up. No. Okay. So I watched, um, and then I watched it last night just to talk about it for this morning. Mm. Um, I was totally shocked. And what, what, what aspect was, of it shocked you? The way that man spoke to her about a woman's, you know, parts, private mm. parts, and mm. the word he was using. Mm. And I was just, she just looked so uncomfortable. Mm. And yeah. I mean so uncomfortable. And, 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 and for listeners who, who might have seen it, he was showing her sex toys, basically, and he was making reference to, as you say, um, the various parts of uh, a woman's uh, vagina, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, but, the proper name for it, which I'm not going to say the name that he said, Yes, which yeah. was highly inappropriate. I just thought... Um, he was, how will I say, a very rude, obnoxious person. He wasn't, um, how will I put it? Like, years ago, I remember I went to an Ann Summers, you know, shop for yes. friends. We were mm. at a hen night. Mm. And we went in during the day, and my first time ever going in, 
and I was very shy and, you know, all my friends were, you know, laughing and giggling. Mm. Now, this lovely girl came up, very polite, very professional, you know, and explained, and I said, no, I'm not interested, and I ran out. So, but he was not professional. Right. And why, why did you run out, Barbara? I got embarrassed because my friends started putting on the things and I was just, you know, I'm shy like that. Right, okay. Yeah, and, and putting on the things, what, what, like the lingerie, was it? They were looking at little, you know, like nurses and stuff like that. Right, and then my friend actors. said, yeah. you know, uh, a little devil one for me and I ran out of the shop. <laughs> I thought I'd never get out of there. And would you describe yourself as... I don't know, would you describe yourself as prudish, for example, Barbara? No, I'm not prude. Look, right, so you're open-minded. Yeah, but I certainly... Yeah. W- this is what I was shocked by, too. I did my homework, as I said, and hmm. um, got the dog settled and put it on last night on replay in RT1. Right. And when I seen them dressed up as puppies, I could feel the top of my head ready to lift off. T- t- tell the listeners about that, because th- that that is seemingly is some other kind of a subculture where people... Th- oh, in God's name. Oh, yeah. They were dressed up in latex. Is that the proper word? Yeah, that's it. it. That's, uh, that's what I was searching for here. Latex, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, they were down on their hands and knees, okay? Yeah. They had, a, you know this ball chasing it around like puppies getting on top of each other like puppies would do playing and they kind of had dog masks on them as well didn't they dog masks yeah yeah, and I was going good lord almighty what is and then I had to have a break (laughs) so I paused it (laughs) and I said what in God's name am I into then you're one beating the bejesus out of your man with a it's a dominatrix yeah yeah. And he, How in God's name do people find that? I, I, I don't really know, but he seemed to be delighted with himself, you know. And poor Lucy then, they gave hers and she just gave him a little tip. Yes. But I tell you what really got, really, really, when the, the last thing, no, the woman in the bed, I mean, she was crazy. Now, yeah, she was the one with the multiple orgasms, was it? Ah, oh, for the was... love of God, I mean... <laughs> Oh, I thought she was cracked. I'm not being rude or disrespectful, but I just thought, like, the lift only went up one flight. And I'm sorry. Right, she she was there, that. and again, I'm just conscious that not everybody saw this thing, but she was there lying on her own on the bed, yeah. obviously having a good time with self-intimacy and this sort of thing. But it was like and that she was being possessed by her. somebody. I, yeah, this yeah. she said to her. Um, what was it she said? Something to say, oh, are you okay, or... Yeah. Something like that. And then Lucy said, oh, I need a drink. It'd be more than a drink I'd need. <laughs> what? <laughs> but she said she was having 40 orgasms a day, so fair play to her, like, you know. it's. Uh... And, uh, what... Do you actually believe that? Well, yeah. Well, you see, I, I'm kind of gullible. I, if, if somebody tells me something, I, I don't know, really. But she looked like she was having a good time, I suppose. I don't know. I think it was all put on. I actually do. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. And she, she gives advice? Because she was smirking, yeah. you know, when she was sort of talking to her. So it was a send-up, you really, Yeah. But then mm. what really annoyed me was, I didn't mind the sex therapist, is that what you call her? Yes, yeah. I didn't really, because I know some people do have a lot of problems, you know, like if they're on medication or things like that. Sure, and, you know. I didn't mind her, no. I thought she was very professional. I actually did. Mm. But then then I had to have another break. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> you had to do this in sections, did you? <laughs> yeah, I just, I like that. Hate and how did the I dog feel very... about it? How did, how did the oh, dog feel? Oh, I swear to God. <laughs> I, little Lou, I had to put Bear outside. He's a Rockweiler. Right, okay. He was growling and he was going for the, the television was wobbling. And then Luna, she was like a little meerkat. What? And she nearly knocked over the modem. She was going mental. And I said, no, they're not real. Oh, she was going. She kept jumping up in the puff and she was going up and down and I had to pull her out. So and, then... And could, I, you, could, you, could you look at it the way we're kind of looking at it in that we have a laugh about it? Like, was there an element of humour to the whole thing, did you think, or, you know? No, no. I was sickened. No, and I have a very good sense of humour. I actually do. But... Then I went in and watched... You know, my fr- I rang my friend Doreen in Dublin and I said, you know the way you woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning to tell me about the last bit? I said, how bad is it? And she said, just watch it and ring me back. Right. So, oh, sacred heart. I swear to God, I thought I was having an asthma attack. <laughs> I couldn't believe... Oh, stop this making one me laugh, Barbara, the door. <laughs> No, but this, I actually did. This one opened the door, okay? And she had a net as sort of, um, you know, like a stocking. Right. And her thingamajigs sticking out. Are you serious? At the front door and cars going past. They have no shame. And was this on the... I must have missed that bit. Was this on it as well? Ah, Fran, for the love of God. No, but wait till I tell you. This was the last bit of it. Right. And then this was the sex party, as they called it. Right. Now, I swear to God, I must have paused the television about ten times. <laughs> I just couldn't. I said, what is wrong with these people? Being electrified on their lower regions. And I was saying, will someone throw a cup of water over him and electrocute him? You know, like, what kind of, you know? Barbara, stay with me for just one moment because mm-hmm. because Patrick is joining us. Patrick, good morning to Hi. you. Good, good morning. morning you, you, did you have a look at this as well, Patrick? I did. I watched the twice, Fran. Twice? Twice I watched it. <laughs> Just to be sure, to be sure, was it? <laughs> to be oh. sure, to be sure. Because what? to be honest, I couldn't understand the reaction um, and the everything that I was seeing on social media and your your viewers, listeners texting in yesterday. I saw nothing offensive in it. I didn't see that there was anything that would disturb me about it. Um, I've travelled a lot of countries in the world. I've been in nightclubs where they've had sex parties. I've been to Amsterdam where they have public sex <coughs> orgies. It doesn't bother me in the least. Right. And you, mean, is it a good thing, benefits. Patrick, that people might get to see that this these subcultures exist in our communities. Yes, I do think it is a good thing, Fran, because sexuality has progressed so much in the last decade. Um, I don't think we need to be prudish about this. There wasn't. I remember going back in the early 90s watching a show on Channel 4 called Queer as Folk with my mum. Yes. It was an eight-part series about the gay scene in, um, in London and... Um, Canal Street, to be precise. I have been there yeah. several times. And um, I remember my mum thought it was fascinating. And every time, there was very, um, shall we say, explicit sex scenes between two gay men. And I would say to mother over a glass of wine, oh, done that. Oh, done that. No, I didn't do that. Now, I must try that one. Ah, uh, stop. You did not. And she t- I did, <laughs> but my mum thought it was hysterical. 
Right. And she said to me, do they really do that now in public toilets? And I'm like, yeah, in all the nightclubs they do. But I wasn't in any way shocked or offended by it. And, and she wasn't I, offended by it? Oh, no, no, no. So how could she be? She's a gay son. Right. You know, like, I come out with anything, French. People know me well enough now. I can come out with anything. Um, right, but even but, even a, a straight son or daughter mightn't be all that comfortable with, you know, sex scenes in front of the, the mother or father. Well, we weren't we were, we were both like that. Um, you well, know, I know you had a wonderful relationship, in fairness, with your mum. So, yeah, yeah, but it was like I remember one time being in my... Um, aunt's house and I stayed in Limerick for the weekend with my cousins and Dallas was on and I was a Dallas addict at the time mm. and there was a love scene in it and my aunt ran in and trying to she's over the TV or a towel or something she's like oh turn it off turn it off and I was like but they're only having sex <laughs> well, everybody does it yeah my father used to turn or turn off the TV, TV oh. if there was any anything risque happening but that's different because it was generational and yes. I just think now that we're educated more and I think this I mean, the, the most the thing I found most entertaining about that the other night was watching Lucy's reaction because clearly it's a world she had not been exposed to. Yeah. You know, in the sex shop. I mean, I've been in plenty of sex shops um, across the world. Um, as I say to you, I've been in nightclubs and uh, they one in Spain where I was living at the time. There was a sex dungeon. And, of course, curiosity got the better of me if I had to go for look. Didn't partake now to be, you know. Okay, you know. just went to have a look, yeah. I went for curiosity to have a look, and I didn't see a bloody thing wrong with it. Right. So me, you can't it, understand it, what the outcry about this is, really? No, I can't, Brian, yeah. because look, at the end of the day, let's be honest, I mean, I've got a partner, and I'm not going to publicise what we do in our bedroom, the same as I don't care what my next-door neighbour does in her bedroom with yeah. her husband. We don't, you know, but we do need to talk about sex. It's, it's something that human beings do. And yes, I understand the fetish scene and that people are into kinky things. Wouldn't be my cup of tea. Um, but, you know, um, I, I have more concerns now about the recent discussions about lowering the age of consent. Mm. That would concern me much more than... Like, I, I've yet to met somebody... Um, who can tell me that they've not looked at some sort of pornography at some stage in their life. Because I know I've done it. Well, sure. I mean, everybody's confronted with it all of the time. Um, Barbara, can I go back to you just to react to what Patrick is saying to me there, that he didn't see anything wrong with this, basically, and, you know, I mean, that everybody should know what's going on. Well, the, I mean, I have nothing, you know. I have gay friends who I love them very much. I was just shocked, you know, because I never seen someone dressed up as a dog before and doing stuff like that, you know what I mean? And then the sex show, I just couldn't believe that someone would share her boyfriend or husband or, you know. Yes. I think, but what po- really. Polyamorous, really is that me, what they call them? Yeah. Yes. Well, I haven't a clue. Mm. But what really, really shocked me was the time it was on, nine o'clock at night. Well, you see, the cutoff point is nine o'clock. In fact, anything after nine o'clock is pretty much okay, I think. Yeah, but a lot of children. Uh, absolutely. Know, I know, I know. 10 I know and 12 have televisions in their room and right. the but, parents could be but, downstairs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but Patrick's point is you can turn off. You can turn off a TV if you're, if you're offended by, by something. But you know children, yes. uh, you know yeah. teenagers. Yeah. 
I mean, I have nothing, do you know what I mean? I was just shocked because I've never seen, you know, anyone dressed up as a dog, except in Halloween. <laughs> do you know, I'm being honest. But I just, I just Stop got making me laugh, will you? Um, I'm only really being honest. I know, like I know it. you, you are. You know what I mean? You're right. Okay, I'm, tr- I'm trying to take it seriously, but what, it's just the way you're saying it, Barbara. It's very funny. Um, no, I'm being honest. Yeah. I just got a shock. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm trying to control a rock boiler. <laughs> Patrick, <laughs> you know, what, what did you make of that? One. Because, I mean, I, I don't care what, what adults do, consenting adults do, as long as they don't frighten the horses. But I did find it unusual with the lads dressed up as the dogs and playing with the ball. I, I just don't don't quite see what's um, sexual or what's... what's. Hey, I tell you the psychology behind it, Fran, is yeah. um, and if you go, sure, and I did this last night um, just as a bit of research because Emma had contacted me about coming on today. Yes. I went on to a couple of different gay dating sites, um, Bad Guys and Oh, what's the other one? Grinder, and the majority of people on that are mature elder people, uh, business people, banking officials, high stress and high anxiety in their work lives. So they want sexual fun and fantasy, and it's all about fantasy. So dressing up as a dog, and believe me, I won't say it on air because it's too early. We're way before the watershed. I have seen worse. You have seen worse. I have seen worse. Right. It's like one of the, the Lucy was asking at the party the other night, the pub party that she went to, what the different colours were. I know I knew exactly what each colour was for. Oh. And um I have seen it. I've seen oh, it. what the colours indicate something, is that it? I know you're being careful what you're saying to me, but the colours indicate I'm something. Trying not that... to offend any okay. of your list. Right. Certain colours in the indicate certain activities. Right, they indicate what, what you would be prepared to do. Is that... Is that no? Well, if you're prepared to do it, it's yeah, not that, what I'd be prepared to do. Oh, I know. Sorry, I didn't case. mean you, you, but I mean, if yes, you wear I this colour, you... Yeah, okay, I'm yes. with you now. Right. If I go back to the days post or pre-MTV in California when the gay scene just became huge, you wore a certain colour tissue in the back pocket of your jeans and that indicated what you were into sexually in the, in the gay club scene. It indicates that I've done a lot of research on this in the last couple of hours. Right. Um, so if they, you put a yellow tissue in, you're into water sports. You put a red tissue in. I won't even mention that okay. word. Right. It means something completely different. And the colours that, you remember they were wearing the, the rubber outfits, latex, whatever I you do. call them. Yep. And each of them had, some had red stripes, some had blue, some had yellow. Well, they all indicate that you're into different sexual acti- activities. Oh my God. Barbara, is this an education for you, Barbara? <clears throat> an education? My head feels as if it's going to explode. I mean, I have anxiety. you're not going to see me dressed up as a Rottweiler, are you? <laughs> you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, think of that, Barbara. No, 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 no. 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 I mean, look, everyone to their own. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I just got a shock and I think my dog's got more of a shock. But I'm just saying I did get a shock and I felt sorry for Lucy because I used to always watch her. 
you know, living with Lucy. I, I, I know, wouldn't feel too sorry for Lucy because you can be sure she is wallowing in the fact that we're all talking about her show now, you see. You have to be, you have to look at this uh, with no, a cynical in eye as well. Shop, she didn't know where to look. She actually didn't. I know, but I mean, and the way the guy... Right. Uh, Patrick, you, you don't agree with that, Patrick, no. I don't because, look, Lucy is a TV presenter. Yeah. She knew the topic she was taking on. She knew she was going into a sex shop. She knew she was going into a dominatrix house, that she was going to a pub party and a sex party. That would have, her research would have, it's like you, Fran, if you know that you're going to talk about a, typical, a, a particular topic tomorrow, yeah. you've done your research, you've been briefed sure. by your team as to what terminology and what language can be used. So I don't feel sorry for Lucy. I told Lucy was more entertaining with her reaction. She almost made it comical. Mm, mm. So, no, I wouldn't feel sorry for Lucy because yeah. she was doing a job as a journalist and she endeavoured to take that on. Right, and I, I know you haven't seen it, Barbara, but maybe you have, uh, Patrick. I mean, for anybody who's watched Louis Thoreau over the years on the satellite channels, I mean, he, he does stuff that's much more in-depth uh, than yes. this. And, you know, like... And much more and much more explicit, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. It's why yeah. I couldn't understand the shock reaction to it, because, you know, um, I know people who've gone on holiday to Amsterdam and by accident have stumbled into these live sex shows and were absolutely horrified. And I was like, well, good, did you leave? Oh, no, I was finishing my drink first. And I was saying, what are you giving out about? <laughs> what are you giving out about? I suppose. Leave your drink. Barbara, it's will it like stop you from watching the rest of uh, the shows? There's going to be cosmetic sh- uh, shows. No, I'll watch the cosmetics because, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'll watch. But if there's any more people dressing up as dogs or cats or... Cows, no, thank you. You, you won't be doing that. What about you, Patrick? Mm. Would you be interested enough to watch the, the rest of the shows? Yes, I like Lucy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do yeah, like she's her. a lovely like person. Yeah. I do like her show. Um, and, you know, maybe she may go back to this topic because um, I think RTE, or it wasn't RTE, actually. It was Virgin, Virgin wasn't it? Yeah. Word. Yeah. I think Virgin, because they're much more explosive than RTE and... I think Virgin will go back to this now that it's gotten so much diverse attention out of it, mm-hmm. gotten so much criticism. Well, I think the more we see like that on TV, that opens up a an, a, a conversation like what we're having now, all three of us. Yes. It's just that it's everyone a, does it. Can, can I finally ask you, Patrick... Is, is there any doubt in your head that the likes of what we've seen on this programme is going on in the Premier County? Yes, it is. I know it is. You know it is? I know I know it is. Right. Okay. I won't tell you the content of my own bathroom, but <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> but it is going on, Fran. All right. It All is right. going on. I have a good <clears throat> friend who goes to regular sex parties in Torlick Town. <clears throat> Where there would be anything of... No, you're not going to give me any detail that will get me into trouble or anything, sure you No, no, I'm just saying more than one person would be inauthentic. All right. Okay, sounds good to me. Um, What do you like? 
All right. Lucy and Pat, Lucy, uh, Barbara and Patrick, thank you so much indeed for talking to us uh, today. What do you think about all of that? 1800-938-007. One of our listeners says, when consenting adults uh, do is their own business and uh, that's their choice. Barbara should have not watched it. Well, now, in fairness, she only watched a bit of it. She turned it off and when she made contact with us, we asked her to watch it again and uh, let us know what she thought of it. So thanks to Patrick and to Barbara there. News and information's on the way. The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. No, I won't ask Patrick where the sex um, where the sex shows are happening in Thurles. Um, but thank you for your text anyway. Um, another listener wants to say, Fran, we're living in a very sick society. Somebody else saying, hold a novena there for all of the poor upset grannies while the rest of us live in the real world. Fran, I can't breathe from laughing here. Oh, this is a very serious subject. I don't know. I don't know why you're laughing. It's very, very serious altogether. Um, sex parties in Thurless Town, disgraceful, never ends good, Fran, will cause all sorts of disease. God help our children if this sort of thing is going to become the norm. What has happened to love between two people only? And uh, another listener is saying, what would happen if her 12 or 13-year-olds saw the likes of this? Well, I hate to break this to you, but if your 12 or 13-year-olds have a smartphone... They've seen an awful lot worse than that at uh, the moment. Fran, I think we should start a GoFundMe page for poor Lucy Kennedy. She must be strapped for cash to do a series like the one she's doing at uh, the moment. And Bree says RTE has gone to the dogs. Well, no one... <laughs> it's Virgin that has gone to the dogs, uh, literally. Uh, we spoke to Timmy Hammersley in the first hour of the programme this morning. We're on air every weekday morning from 9 o'clock, as you know, uh, about the issue of kids being left on uh, the sidelines. And we got a huge reaction, huge reaction to the piece and uh, to Moorish's conversation with me as well. Here's a little bit of what Timmy had to say just after 9 o'clock this morning. That kid who might not make it still at making your team, right? Mm. If they stay involved with the club, what could they be? They could be the best chairperson you ever had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the sec- And they're lost as well then. The other thing, Fran, is that violence mm. at GA games, right? Do you think they're connected or unconnected? I think they're connected. They're very connected, mm. Fran. Very yeah. connected. That's the foundation of it, in my opinion, though, Fran. If you're a coach, it's not just coaches either, because mm. coaches volunteer as well, Fran. Mm. But yeah. it's parents on the sideline who are not coaches, but who are acting like they run the show, you know? And if, they, if they're going to an attitude with a ma- to a match that my kid's team has to win this championship here. And suddenly, if a decision or two goes against them, well, you know, the steps to going out to the ref is closing pretty quickly, isn't it? You know what I mean? They're that aggressive on the line. Like, wanting to win is not a bad thing, like. Do you know what I mean? That's where I want to get this across well, like. Like, we've all... Kids want to win. They want to know the score. They want to know all them things and wanting to do well. Like, the tip under 17s winning the All-Ireland was a great thing. It was not a bad thing, obviously, at all. Um, But it's broadly when 
the full desire is only about winning. When we don't consider the needs, or the long-term needs of the child or the young person, well, that's the problem then. Former Tipperary County hurler Timmy Hammersley speaks to me just after 9 o'clock this morning. Michael joins me now. Michael, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, Michael. You're a coach and a referee, so I'm very interested in your take on this, Michael. Yeah, well, it's it's across the board, really, because um, in my own experiences, I've seen coaches, parents, all cross the line, really. Um, in one instance, I've heard, I've heard parents verbally abuse their own, own kids just because the game wasn't going their way. Verbally abused the kid for not playing well, is it? Well, in my eyes, kids were doing everything they could to do, but in their parents' eyes, they thought obviously they could do more. My God. And would they come on to the pitch and do that? Uh, I've seen them come on to the pitch. I've seen them interrupt coaches when they're giving team talks just to pull their child aside. To and one parent called their child useless. That's shocking, Michael. Yeah. I mean, what would that do to a kid's self-esteem or self-belief or something? Calling them use... This is their own parent. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been on the side where I've seen actual coaches easily grab opposition players because of tackles and issues during a game, which isn't supposed to happen either. So none of what we've been talking about is any surprise to you then? No. The biggest surprise is a child not getting game time. Because in all the coaching aspects we're taught now, uh, child inclusion is first and foremost. Winning comes second. Right, but but that it doesn't happen like that though, does it? Um... In my experience, it can happen, but obviously there's coaches, teams out there that winning at all costs is more important. And will you tell me about, because as, as you know, I'm, I'm not much of a sporty, but will you explain to me this thing as well about younger kids who are better playing in older kids' teams and maybe then shoving aside the older kids because they're better players? What's your, what's your opinion on that? Well, that's just something that's been on in every code down through the years. But realistically, it's disheartening to any child to see a child come up from the lower grade and walk straight onto the team. Like it's not sending out the right message to um, the team as a whole. That like you have players that are our age and they see guys their own age sitting on the sideline when they do come on the field. They're not, they're not inclined to pass in the ball because they think they're an inferior player. So they won't, even if they get on the pitch, they won't involve them in the game, essentially. Mm. God almighty. Um, what what should be done, Mike? I mean, you have all the experience, Michael. What should be done? What needs to be done on this? Well, it's, like, everyone does child welfare. Our coaches do it, so it's not as if no one knows what what should be done. It, I think it's getting the mentality across to all coaches that it's not all about winning. I know it's it's easy to say it on air and talk about it, but if if it's actually even like Martin, 
Morris earlier spoke about it. Uh, his philosophy was, from what I heard, was a good idea. Like, yes. involve parents and keep a track of players' game time and make sure everyone gets adequate game time. And what, like do you, what do you make of what Deputy Martin Brown said to us earlier on? He said one way of changing this is to have no competitive games up to under 16 and to make it compulsory for all players to get equal time on the field. Is that workable? Well, the, the rules are there already. And on up as far as under 14, every player is supposed to get game time. Right. Um, That's supposed to happen anyway. That's supposed to happen anyway. So, like, it's only from under 16 onwards where you come into the five substitution rule. Right, but if that game time is just two minutes at the end of a a game as some sort of token, um, I yeah. mean, that, that's not the spirit of what's being proposed, is it? No. I think, like, going back to the old competition of Bela and Tell, that the All-Ireland competition, that's the rules in that state, there's substitutions every 15 minutes and the substitute that goes on can't be taken off for the rest of the game. I think if that was brought brought in, it might... And was that, there at, was that there at one point, Michael? Well, it's, it's there. It's there for that particular competition. Right, OK. And, the, and you think that might help? Well, it, it makes sure every player gets game time. Can I ask you something else? As well as coaching, you, you've you been refereeing. Why in the name of God would anybody be a referee? Because the abuse, is, I mean, what is your experience of refereeing, for example? Well, I have one funny experience. I was refereeing a game uh, locally and I blew a whistle for a free and a parent on the side and left a scream and it wasn't a free so and she, the person did it a couple of times but then I was refereeing a totally different two different teams I blew the whistle and the same person was at the same at the other game giving out about the season again this was the same person yeah sh- shouting and screaming from the side yeah like it's in some counties now we have um quite silent and I think it's developed into the primary school game there's no there's no shouting allowed not even the coach they can't coach they coach at half time and at the start of the game that's it I think if a silent sideline might be the way to go yeah uh, is this damaging the game do you think I think it's it's detrimental to the game because um, if you want to turn kids off playing it's going to turn supporters off going to games and it's definitely going to drive uh, referees away yeah and I wonder are we losing great players like Timmy Hammersley was telling me that you know when he was underage like you know he, he was he by his own description that he was weak and he was a weak player and it's only as time went on that we we saw the the amazing talent that he had, but he could easily have been lost to the game at some point. That, that's that's true. Like every player, that's that's where coaches need to be sort of compassionate. Every player develops at a different rate. A player that's strong at under twelve, under fourteen, 
when it comes to minors, you mightn't even be a sub. Never mind. Yeah. Starting team. That's very interesting. Michael, thank you so much for your time this morning and uh, really good to talk to you. Thanks for that no insight, Michael. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye, Jenna. That's Michael. Michael's a coach and a referee, so a lot of a lot of experience on um, many sides there. Um, Deirdre was on to us from Kilmanahan and she says, Fran, just listening to the conversation about GAA teams putting players who are below the age grade on the pitch ahead of players who are in the age grade of the match being played. This is one of the issues that was stamped out in rugby by the IRFU. Kids can only play in their own age grade. Inspectors can attend matches without prior notice and have to be handed the player's registration that has the rugby ID card for each player, including their photograph, and that has to be updated each year while they're under age. It might seem like overkill, but at least kids are only competing with others their own age and don't have the added knock to their confidence and the humiliation of being overlooked in favour of a much younger player. And it's in from Deirdre. So that's in the rugby code. So again, how do you feel about that? Um, And marie was on to say, who needs uh, Christian Grey when... When Tipperary has 50 shades of Fran this morning, I nearly choked on my Denny sausage here, says Anne-Marie this morning. 1800-938-007. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie the Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Right, still lots of uh, WhatsApp and text uh, rolling in to us. Uh, I've seen these parents shout and roar at kids, Fran. Uh, they're normally the parents that mentor other teams, most parents of the kids that are left on one side shut up and say nothing, says one of our listeners. Do you know what's really, really interesting this morning, though? Um, lots of the text coming into us very detailed, very comprehensive and very eloquent. And normally we try and make contact with people to chat to them and maybe ask them to come on air. Nobody, I mean, nobody wants to speak about this. And I find that particularly sad, you know, that you feel that you can't uh, speak out because, you know, the club may hold it against you in some way. Um, Let me just bring you one or two more here, if I can find them for you. Uh, Happens at every single juvenile game where parents pull the kids out to either instruct or give out to the kids. So much so that as a coach, uh, our surveillance of the field must be done to bring the kids away from the parents at half time and uh, the likes. But this doesn't work either as some parents who are not coaches just seem to tag along as if they are coaches. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting what's going on out there, isn't it? Um, 83 William disagrees with Martin Brown saying competitive games are important for children's development. You have to learn how to lose and win. Abuse of refs is not what should be done. Uh, Jerry says, I fear for any sport where winning comes second. 
Um, okay, and people are giving us specifics and naming things too, and we, I'll just want to check through that, and we will do so, and I'll bring it to you in just a moment. Now, yesterday we spoke to former county councillor and Cashelman, uh, councillor, former councillor Tom Wood, uh, regarding the restoration of town councils and the fact he had made uh, contact with the Minister for State, uh, Peter Burke, and got a reply to say, basically, nah, it's not going to happen. Well, Mick from Clonmel joins me. Now, Mick, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Fred. Great to talk to you as usual, Mick. You were making the point that uh, Clonmel Town, for example, three versions of councils over the years. Yeah, I, I, I actually worked there for a good number of years. Uh, uh, obviously, I was a, a pet pusher of types, right? And uh, I, I worked with was a corporation. Then it was downgraded to a borough council, and now it's a kind of a satellite municipal authority of some description, a satellite uh, authority of the county council, if you want to put mm. it like that. Mm. Now, when it was a corporation, it has a certain uh, autonomy. Uh, that was larger, we said, than a borough council. The only thing basically the corporation shared at that time was a county manager who was responsible for all the local authorities within these county. Yes. And he would have signed the manager's orders and all that sort of thing and over, oversaw the town clerks in their various guises at the time. Excuse me, I have a bit of a cold. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. But uh, then it was downgraded to a board of council and I suppose the county council had a bit more influence at that stage. But now it's... Uh, what do they call it now? Municipal... Municipal district, yeah. Municipal it's, district, a, it's a talking yeah. shop uh, to refer back to the county council, basically. So do you see what happened in 2014 as a great loss then, Mick? Absolutely. I, I can take back when we had... Uh, there were 12 councillors in the old authorities. I can remember back to the days when uh, we had the, the older type councillors at the time... Yeah. Uh, I'll I, I just mention a few that yeah. never got a penny. Willie Corbett, Billy Bourne, Sean Lloyd, Sean Lloyd, John Kennedy, Sean Tracy. These people were stalwarts of, of, the, uh, of, of the local authority at the time. Uh, they fought two to nail for the authority. And they got and nothing. In modern days, you had Seamus Heaney and, and indeed the current mayor, uh, Pat English, who yeah. would have been very, very proud men of uh, uh, as their town. And... Uh, the ones I mentioned earlier, the, the older ones, they, they got nothing at all for being councillors. Mm. No payment whatsoever. It was a dollar in those days to be a councillor and to be elected by your by your peers. And, uh, you know, I don't begrudge uh, what a councillor gets today because uh, I certainly wouldn't like to have people knocking at my door oh, a regular day yeah. and night. It's not an easy uh, uh, job, for want of a better word, you know? Yeah, it was kind of interesting, the response from, I'm not sure how much you heard of the response from the Minister's office, but it was a, It was talking about, one, one thing, I, and with your experience, I'd be interested to know what you think of this, is the doubling up of administration uh, between the town councils and the county council at the time. Uh, would you say sure, implication I mean, of administration work and the like? If they were to get rid of the, the, the borough council in Cardinal, uh, how come... They replace it with a municipal authority that now has an administrator uh, and and a staff that that goes with that, and all the municipal authorities that are attached to the county hills have an administrator. Uh, so it could be out. Why why did they have an administrator like that? They, they didn't replace the the administrative staff if you want to work like that. Not, not that I'm advocating that anybody should lose their job, like you know. Yeah. 
So I mean, the, the town hall here will still be used by the county council as as a, a hub for I think this housing or something is in there, but the offices are being used there. The 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 new part of the town hall was only built in the middle eighties, nineteen eighties, and it's you know it's now being used as a, as a, an offshoot of the county council offices in Elm Street. The same thing in Cashel, uh, you, you got a lovely uh, uh, town hall. Absolutely, yeah. There. Yeah, and I, I don't watch it. I suppose there's kind of I don't know forest offices or something like that. Well, you know? well the tourist offices then there's all sorts of other things there as well. Yeah. But but uh, what struck me though, strange, a couple of well, a couple of aspects of the letter back to Tom Wood struck me as strange. And um, the, the last paragraph saying there were compelling reasons for replacing town councils, which remain valid today. But I'm not entirely clear what those compelling arguments were. Well, I'll just give you an example of uh, <laughs> of why not to get rid of a town council or, or a borough council. Uh, I have to replace the the, the permit for, for parking outside my door here every year. I go to the county council now and I'm directed up to the second floor where they have the municipal authority for Clonmel uh, offices in, in its downgraded sense, for want of a better word. And uh, you go up and you press a bell. There's nobody up there that says... Uh, Good morning, goodbye, or whatever. And uh, you press a bell, and somebody comes up the corridor to say, uh, "You know what can I do for? Well, I, I want to uh, uh, replace my my permit." So I have to bring in my. Uh, you want to register electors, right? Okay, bring in proof address, all that sort of thing. Then I have to come back down to the county council uh, reception to pay the money, and I have to bring that back up to show that I paid the money. Oh, for God's sake! And and, and you know, you, you, this could all be done in the town hall. Yes. And it was always done in the town hall. And people were able to pay things in the town hall. And, and the planning section was in the town hall as well. Well, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not sure if you have it off the top of your head. But w- w- any idea what we saved by abolishing the town? Uh, I, I, I'd say it's minimal because, you know, if they're still using the offices of the, of the, of the old corporation. Right, the saving uh, has to be tiny. Th- yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. They, I think they re-roofed part of that there lately, or they did a, a big job on it and uh, painted it, whatever. And they're still yeah. using them. So I mean, where's the saving there? Like? And the private secretary also made the point that the significant benefits brought about by the new municipal district system would have to be reversed. So I'm just wondering what the significant benefits are to the new. I, 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 I can't see any benefits. Uh, Right, we had 12 councillors, and I, I, I think we have somewhere, the population of the borough of Carmel is somewhere between 17 and 18,000. So you had 12 councillors, so you had a councillor for roughly every 1,500 people. Uh, I, I think in any, in any shape, that, that would be considered excessive. I mean, over in France, you could have a place like Kirchina, you know, uh, and, and, and they'd probably have a mayor, you know? Yeah, well, again, the the private secretary to the minister is making the point that uh, the this sort of uh, unification thing that that they put in place puts us more in line with what's happening in in the EU, the the European norm, as they. As Not they at all. France has way way more, uh, we'll say, municipal uh, authorities than Ireland has. Yeah. Way way, the smallest little villages there, they have a mayor and he, and he has unlimited powers. He can he can study planning. Uh, they have unlimited powers over it. So him saying the municipal district system is closer to the European norm, you, you would doubt that? 
Absolutely, I doubt it. And I mean, he's a Fede, he's a Fede Gael uh, minister as well. He's hardly going to come out and say that Phil Hogan was wrong. Right, but you were you were no doubt that Phil Hogan was wrong. Phil Hogan was. Off. I, I I I think the man must have been deranged at the time if he thought that he was going to make great savings. All he did was, they're they're all great champions of democracy. But in one fell swoop, they got rid of local democracy in Town Bell. And, and to be quite honest with you, I don't think Town Bell is doing any way as good as, as Nina. Do you not I, think I, so? I, I think all the services that we had here are... are uh, Do you uh, think Town Bell has suffered because of the amalgamation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I know Niall Dennehy would certainly agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no doubt about it. You know? I mean, uh, what would you expect to uh, have a, a Nina county manager or a chief executive, is he going to look after his own area as well? The private secretary to the minister also suggests, um, in a sort of, if I'm reading between the lines, that there's not an appetite out there among the body politic for a restoration of the town council. Well, was there, was there, was there ever a referendum held in Fabel to say would we like to, to uh, restore the borough council? Well, well, that would be from the normal people, but, but I'm just saying from the politicians themselves, that doesn't yep. seem to be a huge push. If you were to go on the politicians' judgment, they got rid of it in the first place, but then you wouldn't expect anything uh, terribly great from them, would you? Right. And it could be turkeys voting for Christmas in, in some sort of yeah. way, too, I suppose. I mean, there was a time when it was a great honour to be elected as, as, as a councillor. It was a great honour. And, and people worked at it. And I'm sure when they got nothing for it, you had people knocking at their doors and, and with queries and, and every, every day of the week. And they got nothing for it. And they just took it. This is a great honour to represent the people, like, you know. And Tom Wood's idea idea that if if you if they restore them and if people agreed to sort of put themselves up for election and not take payment, um, that 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 would be attractive too, wouldn't it? I yeah, mean, I, I don't I don't see the, the payment as any great issue. I don't God think sake. so. Not not you for know, a town I mean, council. No. Well, for, no, for God's sake. Uh, uh, they were tended, the councillors attend meetings here, there, and everywhere. They had to give it their own time. You have people knocking at their doors all day and all night, uh, ringing up. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't see that. I mean, they're not getting the fortune out of it, you know? Uh, it, look, it looks, it, it, from from what I've read, though, this isn't going to happen for... 20, is it 2024 is the next slogan? Is it 2024, uh, isn't it? 2024, yeah. yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, it certainly won't be happening anyway, you know. So, but but you see, we don't, we we don't know. I mean, I, I'll push it like this though. I've been, as you well know, I've been a great supporter of Sinn Féin, and yeah. I, I was very critical of them over the years. To be interested to see what what they would do with the to power, you know. Yeah. Well, I was speaking to David Dunn about it uh, yesterday, and uh, he was giving his own opinion as opposed to the yeah. party opinion. So we don't know, I suppose, yet is the is the answer. Well, there we have five. We have five councillors now from Calvell who serve as county councillors, and they also serve as members of the municipal authority. Yes. And uh, the borough has been extended then, or, or the electoral area for Clamenture has nearly gone out to Clare now. You know? Yeah, but you look at the Cashel one, Cashel Care, Tipperary Town. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge, yeah. I mean, how would you expect? I mean, many councillors are there, five or six. Yeah. You know, uh, how are they supposed to represent the people? Fede Gale were always great for saying, oh, we believe in local democracy. And it took a, a Fede Gale minister in his wisdom to uh, downgrade councils and get rid of them all Yeah, but we, we all accepted it, Mick. You know, there wasn't a yeah, huge hue and, and cry that, over it. That's another thing that I can't understand. There wasn't a whit about it at the time. And I was very much involved in the trade union movement all my life uh, as regards uh, 
local government trade unionism. And there wasn't a whip out of my, 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 my ex-union uh, uh, called Forza now, which used to be Impact. Yeah. There wasn't one wasn't well more there. It's interesting. And when Tom Wood was talking to me yesterday, we got a lot of negative stuff. A lot of people saying, sure, you know, what good was it and don't bring it back. It was a waste of money and all sorts of stuff. Well, I, I, I tell you what, when you look, uh, if people have uh, people have uh, no memories at all, when you look at the amount of local government houses that are, or local authority houses that were built in Carmel, uh, in the days when people, when the country had nothing, huge houses these were built here in Carmel, mm. good housing. And that's that's one of the big losses, is it not? The budgeting for the local town. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Just take housing alone. We have a housing crisis at the moment. If ever we needed a municipal authority with power to 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 build local authority houses again, now is the time that it's needed. All right, Mick. It's always good to talk to you, Mick. And look yep. after that cold, won't you? Good to, good to talk to you today, Mick. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye to you. 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083 Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And the correspondence uh, keeps uh, coming into us. Fran, when I was playing hurling back in the 80s, my dad was on the sidelines constantly shouting at me up to four or five times a minute throughout the game. I couldn't concentrate on playing and I never enjoyed playing. It was an awful experience. And also we made two county finals and they brought players from under 14 to play rather than put some of us on the team because they were winning managers. They were looked up to like gods. But a lot of young people were discriminated against. One of the finals, they put on the son of the chairman of the club on the panel and even gave him game time. He hadn't played hurling ever for the club. It was sickening to see the chairman and the managers hugging and celebrating afterwards and exploited the young people on the bench. The GAA is toxic and it won't change anytime soon. This is one of our listeners. Catherine joins me now. Catherine, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you. Catherine, you think we're living in a very sick society and this is following our discussion on the Lucy Kennedy show, Catherine. Yeah, that would seem so, Fran. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the show at all? No, Fran. I, I wouldn't watch that kind of crap. I mean, to be honest, I haven't watched Teddy Fran in months months. I prefer the radio. Right. And is that one of the reasons because of the content? and the... Not really, Fran. No, I'm not a telly person as such, but no. I prefer the radio. Listen to yourself. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that you would. <laughs> and thank you very much indeed for that. Um, I'm just wondering what aspect of what you heard about the programme then would particularly concern you and make you say that we're living in a sick society? What would concern me, Fran, greatly is who needs that kind of stuff? You know, there may be children up at that hour of the time, I don't know. Mm. But, uh, you know, you don't need that kind of... I think it's offensive to women as well. Do you, you, know? th- do you think so? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
you know. Yeah, and you know the, the the subject. I mean, their their take on this, and some some of our listeners would would have this take on it as well. Is that this is happening anyway in our societies as a kind of a subculture going on out there, and that we should know about it. Does that does that make any sense? Yes and no. I mean, just because something is going on doesn't mean that it's right. You know. Yeah, and uh, fellas in latex and with dog masks on them going around playing. Does does that surprise maybe you? Maybe they'd probably tell you there were dogs in their previous life, but I don't believe in that. <laughs> yeah, but does that surprise you that the people would get a some sort of a kick out of that or some sort of a? Ah, yeah, but they're not. They're not. You know, playing with the full deck. I'd say. You know. Yeah. Well, it seemed, when when they were talking, they seemed fine. You know, it's just they put on this these outfits and. Uh, who? I mean. It doesn't make sense to me that you want to be a dog or a cat or whatever. Or that a fellow would want to be whipped for enjoyment of some kind. Yeah, well, maybe he should have been whipped when he was small. Would have changed him. <laughs> maybe that, that's what he needed. Is that is that is that what you think? Will you stay with me, Catherine, because I know that Kate, Kate is joining us. Kate, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Uh, Kate, you're disgusted with all of this, aren't you? Well, um, what I'm saying is that there's a time and place for these things. If people want to watch porn, let them watch porn. You know, that's up to themselves. But Lucy Kennedy and people saying that poor Lucy looking on, you and I know that Lucy is a seasoned broadcaster. Absolutely, absolutely. And she had the she had the wherewithal to decide whether to have that programme uh, uh, broadcast at all. She could have taken that uh one episode out of the series. And I think that, you know, in the evening time, when you sit down after the nine o'clock news or whatever time it was on, I can't remember. I just saw the first little bit of it. But I found that it was inappropriate to have that kind of content on the television, mm-hmm. evening television, where you would have maybe young teenagers that would be after doing their homework and come down mm-hmm. maybe for... Uh, tea or something like that and I think you know it's not appropriate and I think it's it's, it's a bit disgusting. Now people that want to watch that they have other avenues to to uh, um, follow mm. and let them do that. I'm not going to be judgmental about anybody but I do think that it's over the top for something like that to be on in the evening television where people are I'm a carer as you know and the situation is, I like to sit down and maybe watch a film. There was a film on the night before. Yeah. I can't remember who was on the film now, but um, it was very good. And uh, I watched that. But to see something of that content on RTE, well, Virgin TV, whichever, but to see it on the television is is over the top. And you're not in the least curious then, Kate, that these subcultures are out there. That, Let that, them be out there. Yeah, They're going you, to be out there whether we like it or not. Yeah, but you, you, you don't need to know about it. Is that is that yeah. what you mean? No, what I'm saying is is that they, they, they will seek avenues anyway to have these subcultures, will seek avenues for the content that was on that programme. And there is no need to put it on television, you know, on, on evening television, where, where people are like me. And I, I just want a little bit of me time in the evening time to, to watch something that is substantial. Mm. You know, something that is 
uh, Current Affairs or a nice film that can be is watchable. Right. Some people might say, Kate, well, you have a choice then. You can turn to another channel or whatever. Um, yeah, well, I, I did change channels you did change after channel. I saw yeah. the, the first part of it. But I do think that we're, we're, we have a society now that there are lots of things wrong with it. And we have people, you know, being like, like the woman that died in Dublin and her baby. And, you know, there are people, there's lots of things happening that shouldn't be happening. And I think we've lost the run of ourselves. And oh. I think things must be more censored at that time of evening. Right. Catherine, I presume you would agree with that uh, completely, would you? Uh, 100%. I agree with that lady. I think it's far below Lucy's intelligence. And I'm very surprised. Really, to be honest, which I used to watch a lot of her programs. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was way out of line. But I mean, you know, Lucy is a, a seasoned broadcaster. Lucy oh, is going yeah. for for viewership on this, and I mean, that's what it's all about. And the fact we're talking about it is probably playing into uh, the the whole thing, and maybe even more people will watch her next week. Yeah, but I think that was crossing the line, Fran. To be honest with you, you know, really. Yeah. Definitely. Right. And, you know, I mean, what has emerged since that this is going on in all of our communities? No doubt. No doubt, Ben. But do we need to take part in it? No. Right. And you don't want to know about it either? I don't, Ben. As I said, I haven't watched telly in months. Yeah. Um, Kate, I'm just... I do. I watch I watch television. You I depend television. on television at night. Right. But I like to watch a nice programme. But what I'm saying mm. is that you know, if they want to have these um, uh, porn things on, and I, I was surprised at Lucy Kennedy because the other program that she had, she was going to people's houses like Living uh, with Lucy, Brenda yeah. Grace Living with Lucy, mm. and she was going to people's houses, and I thought she was a you know a people a family person, mm. and I was so surprised and amazed. Well, now, in fairness, when she was doing her thing with Podge and Raj, it was rather risque from time to time as well, you know. It was, well, I didn't watch that yeah, either. It was pretty... I didn't watch that. Would you be I, very I, offended, Kate, and I'll go back to Catherine on this as well, to hear that one of our listeners saying, Fran, is it nuns that you're interviewing on the show? Pardon? One, one of our listeners saying, is it nuns that you're interviewing on the show? Would you, are you offended by that, Kate? I'm trying to protect the young people of society now that are growing up and thinking that this is the norm. Yes. It's like Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, we need to, we need to be mentors to those that are coming after us. Yes. I think that's very, that's very demoralising to say that, whoever said that. Right, and are you, you're insulted by that, are you? I'm absolutely, totally insulted right. and incensed by it. Catherine, are I, you, are you insulted by that? for maybe how do we know nuns weren't watching it I mean I wouldn't watch it but you know as that lady said we're not judging we're just saying that there may be youngsters at that time of night watching you know and right. it's inappropriate stay, stay with me for a moment because Caroline joins us now Caroline good morning to you good morning Fran how are you What what's your feelings on this Caroline I'm absolutely disgusted with the ignorance and the um, just the attitude of these two ladies. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry. You're, I'm you're sorry. disgusted I, with them, Caroline. I'm actually disgusted with them. This day and age, everyone to their own. Right. 
Nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. If yes. you're happy, yeah. do what you do and say what you do. Right. Sorry, can I interject there? Right, but, 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 but Caroline, Caroline what, the, what, the, what the ladies are saying is that that's all fine, very well, they, if this is happening in people's own homes, but they don't want to know about it. Well, then, shut their curtains. <laughs> I mean, go to Mass on Sunday and pray for the people that are, you know, doing these things, like, you know, click their rosary beads and stuff. I'm sorry. That's so insulting. That is absolutely insulting. Amen. Kate, is that Kate saying that? It yeah. is indeed, yes. Kate, you were absolutely insulted I, by Caroline, are you? Yes. I, I'm. What I'm saying is, there's a time and place for these things. They have access to all this porn type of thing. But we're, we're in a society where children must be protected. I'm talking about the next generation. I am of a mind that I know what can go on in society. But I do think that for, for young people, we, and we need to protect them, and we not have programs like right. that. Oh, on, okay, on just, just one second. Let, let me go back to Caroline. On that. Caroline, yes, you wanted to reply to that. Yes. We grew up in a society where people were afraid to say they were gay. Children were afraid to say to their parents, Mammy, I love a man. Mammy, I love a woman. We that's not what it was. That's not what children. it was about. Sorry, but like you know, it is not creating harm in the community, and they're doing it inside their own homes. That's perfectly fine with me. Fran, mm. I'm turning you off Google. Hold on. Yeah, oh, oh, no, no problem because uh, something is uh, just there's a radio playing in the background on one one of the lines there and as well. And also, Fran, I was the student nurse. Hold on. Okay, uh, Kate. Sorry, you're saying what to me? I'm saying I didn't say anything at all against gay or lesbian or or trans people at all. Mm. I have no objection to any person in any aspect of which uh, of their sexuality. Yes, mm. uh, sexuality has nothing at all to do with it. Mm. It was pornography on television at that time of night. We need, as I said, does she have any concern about the young people that are growing up in a very, very difficult society at the moment? Okay, let's let's put that. Let's put that to Caroline. What about that, Caroline? Uh, the exposure of young people to this. What, what about right, that? So the program happened. I didn't actually see it, Fran. So mm. it happened after last half. After nine o'clock last night, yes. Uh, no, head. nine o'clock the night before. The night before. The night we, before. Yes. Okay. So why would you have, um, like, we're living in the world of social media, where we have our fifteen, sixteen, seventeen-year-olds, our teenagers, hmm. grown up in sexuality, you know, all about sexuality. So is this lady concerned about the um, under? Thirteens when their kids should be in bed. All right, but let, let mean, me just fill you in briefly, if I can, Caroline. I mean, what was it? There was a dominatrix. She was whipping this guy. She got Louise involved in whipping the guy. There was this lady who was sort of having multiple orgasms by herself on on the bed. There was sex parties. There was a tour of a sex shop where all the various items were described in graphic detail as well. So that's just a brief summation 
of the show itself. Now, when you hear that, and there were guys dressed as dogs um, in latex playing playing around and sort of stuff. So does that help you, Caroline, to understand maybe why people were, were incensed? My son is on Xbox. He has games that sexualize worse than that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. And, so that's oh all harmless God. stuff as far as you're concerned. Yeah, it's yeah. harmless because, you know, it just goes to show that um, it's it's a different kind of culture that we're supposed to get used, used to. And, um, oh my gosh, my, my son is 19 and he started on the Xbox Live when he was 12. Mm. Um, he was shooting people in the head. On, like, I mean, don't come into me, mammy. I'm shooting people in the head. He's now a second architect. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So it did him no harm. Is that what you're saying, being exposed to that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, because you can't mollycoddle your children. I'm sorry. We're not living in Catholic Ireland at the moment. And where we right. go... Right. Kate, what about that, that we're mollycoddling our kids and they should be exposed to this because this is the real world? What do you make of that? Um, I object to the fact that she's bringing religion into it and rosary beads as well. She's bringing religion and Catholic Ireland and all of this. I'm not saying anything about religion. Mm. But I am saying that you must have guidelines for your young people. Yeah. And I mean, you can't Xbox and all of that. The shootings that we've heard about young people out in Taiwan. I mean, those children were shot. And does anybody I'm not bringing religion into it. We, I'm we, not bringing Catholic Ireland into it. She did. She said, are these people nuns? Yeah, they're behaving like nuns going mass and using their rosary beads. Right, so this has nothing not. to do with religion as far as you're... I'm an open-minded person, friend. Right. I reared a family and I'm an open-minded person. But I did have uh, uh, guidelines for my family and I would have them for my sons have them for their grandchildren, for their children as well. All right, Case, can I bring and you back in on this case? Okay, just, just one second. We need sec, to have just... less aggression in society and we need to try and mentor those young people and say what's right. right and what's wrong because you can see all that's happening is so horrific with well, shooting right. let, let me just bring uh, bring Catherine back in on this Catherine do you want to have a final word with us on this we need to have this in and we need to try and mentor all right, sadly, Catherine's line, we just uh, uh, can't use that at the moment. Caroline, final words on it before I go back to Kate for a final word. Yeah, it's not about religion. It's just about letting our young people, instead of all this uh, taboo of, oh, you need to act this way, you need to be this way, let them be the way they want to grow up. There's so many rules and regulations in the past couple of years over COVID and do you know what? Oh my gosh! Do you know you just have to let the young people of Ireland grow up, see what they're seeing. I mean, it was after nine o'clock. Right. I mean, what? Which is the watershed? Has, uh, yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All right. So, I'm just just about out of time, Kate. Sorry. So just a quick moment. Sadly, I can't go back to Caroline, and I think we've lost Kate as well. So thank you all indeed for, for joining us today. Thanks to Caroline and to Catherine and uh, to Kate. Such an amount of response this morning to uh, everything. Caroline shouldn't have her son on games.
or an Xbox box at that age, says another listener. Um, Fran, I did not see Lucy's show, but I got a phone call from her sister. She told me it was disgusting to watch and she also changed over. Uh, it's so sad to see our holy island turn into this, but this, uh, these are the times that uh, we're living in. Uh, somebody else saying we see all sorts of filth at pride parades. At least people have sex parties in private, says somebody. There's still people looking to know where the sex parties are happening in Thursday. I have no idea. I have no idea. And no, I won't ask Patrick about it either. Uh, somebody else saying if she doesn't want to, want to watch the programme, how does she know so much about it? And uh, there's all sorts of religious uh, commentary coming into us as well. That's about it for today. Huge response to the show this morning. We're back with you tomorrow from 9 o'clock. Emma produced Ali looks after her content. Stephen is on the way. Be good now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.